Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add-ons like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Unitanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. Today's Sunday session is brought to you thanks to the fine folks at More Beer. Visit them right now at morebeer.com. Feels like work. Shooting the shit for two hours, drinking beer and talking beer. What a wonderful experience. Can we not have the barf bucket near my mixing board? (laughs) I think everybody can read the book. I knew you were going to use this book as an excuse to quit doing this show. <laughs> Mrs. Buff, if you want, I can mail you the bub timer. Yeah, Newcastle. Especially in the can. Have you ever had it in the can? <laughs> no, I have not had it in the can. <laughs> Notice I closed my eyes and I concentrated really hard. Now, live from the Brewing Network Studios in Northern California, this is the radio program for home brewers. Craft brewers, beer lovers, and beer geeks. It's your only source for live beer radio that brings expert brewers together with, well, expert drinkers. This is the radio program with a head on it. This is The Session. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the session. My name's Justin Crosley. I'll be your host today and probably next week and not the week after that because I think we're off. Oh, nice. Oh. But I'm here now. Well, two shows is a good run. That's what I feel I feel like. I yeah. think three, technically. Two sh- well, three shows in how many weeks? Yeah. <laughs> like six. Seven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Live your best life, man. I'm okay. trying. Let's go. I'm trying. Uh, yeah, we ha- we've had a busy couple weeks here, actually. We did our uh, Oktoberfest. Um, was that last weekend? I can't remember. I think. I think it was last week. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A very successful first year event, our first uh, Oktoberfest here in Concord. Nice. Um, so successful. It was a two-day event and so successful on Friday that we had to order more beer Saturday morning. Oh. Yeah. We would have we run out. I, had to, I think we ended up going through uh, just over 60 kegs. That's a lot of beer. Wow. A lot of oh, beer. That is a lot. Yeah, I thought we, lagers weren't popular. Uh, well, you know they were, and uh, you know people didn't. I only got a couple of requests. I wasn't pouring beer the whole time, but whatever shifts I was doing, um, only a couple people, you know, were uh, disappointed that there was no IPA. Um, I did find some people disappointed that there weren't enough straight 
Oktoberfest beers. Oh. Okay. And, you know, my thinking, my thinking was, you know, put a couple Oktoberfest on, but then yeah. vary a bunch yeah. of uh, different German lager styles. Sure. But, no, it turns out people would have been happy if I had six different Oktoberfests to choose from. Those were the beers that went first, and uh, that's what people wanted. I mean, are there that many breweries making good Oktoberfests in the area? Well, th- <laughs> there certainly are some. Our our favorite one, and and we I had it's one of the beers I had to order more of, came from Danville Brewing Company. Oh, nice! Uh, what a great beer Matt made down there. Uh, so if you ever get a chance to go into Danville Brewing, I highly recommend it. He makes good beer, and yeah, that was definitely one that went went quickly. Um, then we had a Sam Adams Oktoberfest. Had to order more of that on day two. That went really quick. Um, and we had a special fest beer from Gordon Biersch only on Friday night that he delivered in a barrel. Mm-hmm. And we did uh, we did like the keg tapping ceremony. With, nice. with that Dan, was my favorite. Nice. The cast condition Merzen. Yeah. From Gordon Biersch. Yeah. How, how can it not be? It right. Favorite. That's yeah. a great beer anyway. How was the, um, the uh, I want to call it a Doppelbach, but it wasn't a Dunkelweitz? People loved it. Okay, good. It was also the first beer to sell out. Hell yeah! Um, so I had, I think I ended up ordering four more kegs of just that beer uh, for Saturday that we went through. Uh, that was by Epidemic Ales, a little collaboration that we did uh, between us and Visit Concord and Epidemic. Yeah. Um, and they also sent their Schwartz beer, which did really well. Um, the keg tapping ceremony was interesting because, you know, since it's like like they do at Oktoberfest, it's kind of tapping the first keg. I needed to do it right at 6 o'clock. Sure. And I'm standing up there with Dan Gordon and the mayor, and I'm looking out at the park, and there's barely anybody there. <laughs> and I'm kind of shitting my pants. I'm yeah. like, oh, failed event. <laughs> yeah. But an hour later, we were mobbed and mobbed for the rest of the night. Nice. So it was just during. But I can't, I can't push back the keg tapping ceremony. Right. Oh, yeah. So, so I feel like if we do the event next year, which it's looking like we'll have to do. I mean, we'll do. Um, <laughs> I, I still have to go stand there with a with a fairly dead crowd at six o'clock. Well, yeah, but I, I feel like those are just for like purely ceremonial purposes anyway because only a yeah. few people will go mm-hmm. and it's just good for photos right it's a photo op really so you know don't worry about it. don't worry about the crowd if the crowd wants to watch the photo op then that's fine but it's really just advertising uh, you're Marketing. right but you know me i thrive off of everybody looking at me yeah uh so it's you a should little, be more handsome a little disappointing <laughs> well, if everybody showed up an hour late this year tell everybody it starts at five next year yeah that's that way a good at idea. six when you have the tapping they're there that's yeah. a, that's a great idea yeah i don't know why i didn't think of that <laughs> Um, yeah, so that was a lot of fun anyway, doing that. Uh, it did cool. end up filling up. And and um, actually, the only other complaint I got, we got really good feedback because I had done some research on the other Oktoberfests in the area. Okay. And the main complaints were long lines for beer. Oh, sure. And yeah. so uh, Bevo and I focused really hard on how to fix that problem because I knew no matter what we do, you know, ours wasn't going to be extremely unique from other Oktoberfests. The two things I felt were that were going to differentiate us uh, were the quality of beer, because yeah. we were all uh, local craft beer, nice. and then trying to do no lines. And you know what? I don't think anybody waited longer than like three minutes for a beer. That's great. And that was like at our busiest time. Uh, we had 12 lines going. 
Um, so, yeah, note to you festival organizers out there. People just, I think, sometimes focus on the wrong things when they're doing a fest. And, and it's important to focus on the content of the festival. I think that's very important. But what good is the content if you can't, if people don't have a good user experience, right? Right. Well, also, it's, it, it, that's not the only thing to focus on. I yeah. think you're right. They do focus on, oh, well, what kind of band? We got a good band and some good food, and then they stop there. Yeah, right. You got to figure out how to get people having a good time. How to no execute one wants to that. wait in line, yeah. Exactly, and I would be upset if, I mean, I, it's one of the reasons I don't go to beer festivals is waiting in line for, yeah. uh, for beer like that. So yeah, we solved exactly. that problem. We also had great content, great uh, entertainment. We had a, on Saturday afternoon, we had a 28-piece German <laughs> orchestra wow. playing. Um, and and then, of course, the beer, I, I really think, spoke for itself. Mm-hmm. Actually, uh, uh, I do have to give a special kudos to uh, Candy, uh, Beardy's wife. To oh, the yeah. main stage, please. <laughs> Candy. Uh, and, and, and Beardy had helped, too. But Candy designed our uh, Oktoberfest tent. And people okay. just loved it. Oh, it looked nice. so cool and authentic. Um, so she had come up with that, and then her and Beardy uh, put it all together for us on the Friday. Literally uh, by themselves. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that <laughs> was long. we, we got to fix yeah. that problem. Well, we thought we'd have a lot of volunteers to help them. Yeah. And here's another word of advice. This one is for those of you who volunteer. Yeah. Um, show up. Show up for your shift. <laughs> oh, no. Did you have no yeah. shows? Well, so first of all, Friday, uh, a few volunteers... Actually, the the Friday setup crew was a stellar crew, except apparently anybody we sent over to the beer tent to help beer because Candy ended up saying we'll just do it ourselves. I guess the it was difficult to instruct. Yeah, they were like they were muscle, but I don't think they were brains. Yeah, yeah. But they did a great job with the rest of the setup. And and anyhow, because Saturday was so long, we had two shifts of volunteers to to pour beer and sell tickets, and almost our entire second shift didn't show up. And my guess is they came, saw the fest. What a great time it was, and was like, oh, I'm just going to buy tickets instead. And that's really unfortunate because what happens is then we, you know, we you try to make it easy on on volunteers uh, for donating their time, and that they should only have about a three or four hour shift, and then right. they get they also get to go enjoy the fest. Well, our morning shift, uh, the festival started at noon on Saturday. They ended up pouring all the way until six p.m. because and they were so generous to me. I saw them standing there well after the second shift was supposed to show up, feeling terrible, saying, you know, guys. I'll figure it out. I don't know what I'll do, but you can you can leave if you want. And they just said, you know what? We'll, we'll, no, what would you do? We have to pour beer. You know, there's a lot of people here, and uh, so they stuck around. There was a pregnant woman who worked. Oh my gosh! Right, pouring beer from noon until about four thirty. When I finally went to her, and I I just I <laughs> was she in labor? Made, didn't I you make her quit? Horrible. Yeah, and I'm like, do you, do you? you need a break. You need to go sit. And she's like, well, what can I, there's nobody here. And I just said, I will figure this out. You wow. have to leave. Yeah. <laughs> someone's, someone's good wife. And yeah. she wasn't like, she wasn't like, is she fat or is she pregnant? She was like very, very pregnant. Yeah. So I'm just saying to those of you who, who do volunteer for events, and most of you are, are just wonderful, but, you know, you, you don't just affect the the organizer. You, you affect your other volunteers when you sign up yeah. for something and you don't show up and, and without even a notice, you know, I'm sick or, or anything. Yeah. So Cough, wheeze. Yeah. <laughs> so just uh, another word of advice out there, you know, don't sign up for, to volunteer. It's actually really important. We can't run the fest without volunteers, uh, and, and they're so great for that. But yeah. it kind of affects everybody if you don't. Well, here's an idea. It's radical. Mm. So just, you know, yeah. go with me. Um, but 
you might try to go look like elsewhere for volunteers, like um, places you know that won't drink the beer, you know, like AA meetings. Right? <laughs> right, so I, I think if you go to an AA meeting and you pitch, like, hey, guys, if you want to come help out, you'll be second shift. Right. There's no fear of them not showing up and going drinking or whatever. And uh, There's uh, only the fear you, of them relapsing. Right, exactly. Uh, have you heard of relapsing? <laughs> yeah, but that's not our fault. It's not my right? problem. Yeah, that's yeah. their problem. And it would be, be beneficial for them, too, to kind of like... No, oh, I'm too. I'm, I can do this. Yeah, <laughs> I hear what he's. I hear what he's saying. Right, and there'd be police officers waiting yeah. to arrest them for being drunk in public, right there. Yeah, Again, yeah. I don't know what to tell you. Thinking outside the box. Yeah. 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 Uh, but overall, just a great success. So thanks to everybody for for coming out for that uh, for a first year event. Um, yeah, I just I couldn't be happier. Oh yeah, that's what I was going to say. The the one thing the other other complaint I got publicly was somebody was upset that our quote local brewer who did the keg tapping Dan Gordon wasn't local. Because his brewery's in San Jose, How, not local enough. Uh, yeah. Not, not lo- and he just—he was just a little snarky, like, uh, you know, just my opinion. But I'm really disappointed that your local brewer wasn't. But that, <laughs> but then the entire thing was was, I guess, lost on that individual. That it's it's not. I considered Gordon Beersh a local brewery. It's yeah. local enough. Uh-huh. But not just that. Dan Gordon actually has a tie, a, a strong tie to German beers. Not only because that's what he produces, but because he went to school in. Germany. He speaks German. He knows more about the culture. He actually has the authentic barrels to come do a tapping. He likes pee videos. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's into it. I mean, it was the obvious choice. Yeah. And, and then, of course, he's a friend of ours. Yeah. Um, so whatever. And if no the, one else would come. Yeah. No one else made it. <laughs> yeah. But none of that stuff's local. Germany's not local. Weinstefan's <laughs> right. not local. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I, I would be hard to, to not just go, well, how, how, how far away is to like, what is local? Right. San Ramon? Where? Where's, where do you draw the line? Yeah. For me, local's the Bay Area. That's fucking yeah. Oakley to San Jose, dude. That's a huge swath to cut. So <laughs> I agree. It's only been Oakley for the last, what, six months? <laughs> Something like that. However long you've lived there. And, and when it comes to, <laughs> certainly that area can be defined by what fresh beer means, too. Mm-hmm. In other words, it doesn't take more than an hour to get beer uh, delivered from anywhere in the Bay Area. Hour yeah. and a half, right? Yeah. Well, beer doesn't really go bad in an hour and a half. It's true. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I feel like there's, there's yeah. that argument. Yeah, it's absolutely local. Yeah. Fine. Uh, so if even Firestone Walker is Sacramento local, local enough. For, mm-hmm. When you're talking a commodity, right? It, I, I think it definitely goes beyond like uh, you know your residential locations. You right. know, well, I live in the Bay Area, so I want only Bay Area. Uh, just relax. Yeah, Central Coast is fine. Even L.A. Maybe, maybe. maybe yeah. Well, and so if those are the only two complaints I, I received, not enough uh, official Oktoberfest beers, and that Dan Gordon wasn't local enough, I'll take it for a first year event. No, that's pretty good. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think we're going to extend this local conversation into today's show. We're going to be speaking with Plan B Farm Brewery from Poughkeepsie, New York. And they uh, only make beer with local New York ingredients. Uh, uh-huh. So all of the grain, all of the hops, even their yeast uh, yeah. is is from uh, the state of New York. Fuck you, uh, New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, stick around cool. for that. Uh, I think it's going to be a great interview to find out, uh, for example, how does he get his yeast? Um, and well, uh, you know, yeah, and, and and I like talking to people like this who are trying to be super local like that because it also puts constraints on what they can use, right? And then how to like formulate a recipe and how to produce a product around these limitations that you've set for yourself because you 
want to, not because you have to. Yeah, I agree. I think that's going to be a good discussion to find out uh, what Plan B Brewery does. Uh, Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at More Beer. You should go to morebeer.com and check them out. And they want to change your malt game with Viking Malt. Hailing from Northern Europe, Viking Malt is a family-owned malt house since 1883, and it's the largest specialty malt producer in the world. (laughs) Uh, Their base malts are malted from Nullox varietals that don't contain the enzyme lipogenase, lipoxygenase, thank you, Uh, which leads to uh, trans to... N- yep. Non-enol in beer, which non- is responsible. What, what is it, Beardy? Trans to what? I- non-enol? Non-enol. Non-enol? Non-enol. Non-enol. Non-enol? That's what I heard. You definitely could have given me a heads up on this one. <laughs> uh, which is laughing. responsible for those uh, stale cardboard flavors. So head over to morebeer.com. They know more about it than I do, clearly. And uh, brew ingredients from the future. At morebeer.com. I'm going to change that. I can take out the big words. <laughs> Just like future. I mean, I forgot, I forgot. I'd like to say that now I know, but you realize, we all know that next week is an entirely new, <laughs> like I was born yesterday. Well, I was, like, Olin sent me that, and he goes, that might be too geeky for everybody. It's like, no, I think that's perfect. Uh, Everyone wants asshole. to hear it. And yeah. then, uh, you can pronounce it. <laughs> Yeah, I just, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I thought it would be cool, but no, uh, I can not, take it out. You deep. can leave it in, just you got to give me a heads up yeah, so sorry. that I know that there are things. <laughs> well, you started reading it. That's why I was laughing. I was like, oh, shit, this is going to go one way or another. Yeah. <laughs> you did great, though. Thank you. Oh, that, consider this your heads up for next week. Yeah. Right. You'll know you don't know ahead of time. Exactly. I'm, that's what I'm saying. I won't. <laughs> We're going to have the exact same conversation next week. Well, we all hope, know it. Hopefully. All malt will have trans two nonal taken out of it, so uh, there won't be no more stale cardboard flavors yeah. in beers, and that you won't be have great. to even mention it. It's just a, a, a known factor. All right, so Soon make trans my three job will be better. That's why these things should happen. Yeah. All right, let's do some announcements, and our announcements are brought to you today by Drake's Brewing Company, who is opening their newest location in Sacramento called The Barn, which is a, a two-acre facility uh, that features a craft beer bar, of course. Uh, I think they've got 20 different taps on there. Uh, tw- oh, over 25 different taps. Um, they have a specialty cocktail bar. They've got a pizza place. I think they have... Um, Three different stages uh, that they're going to have different music playing on Jeez, at the um, same time. I hope. <laughs> maybe um, there's it, and it's all along the uh, Sacramento River. Um, so it's uh, their their opening week kicks off this week. It actually starts Wednesday, uh, October 24th, and goes through to Friday. Uh, sorry, it goes through to Sunday the 28th. Uh, their grand opening week. So go check it out. I'm excited to go see that place. It that looks building looks incredible. so cool. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so what a cool thing. Uh, yeah, I was over there last week for their uh, ribbon cutting. Oh, you did? Yeah. Is it is it as beautiful? It's really as, nice. Okay. It's really nice. It, it's got this r- really uh, strange award-winning architectural mm-hmm. structure thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks nothing like a, a farm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's some crazy Dutch guy. And that's kind of what they started with. And then so they added like this another another building on that's, that's sort of hidden. Okay. It's their tap, their tap, tap room. And then, uh, then they expanded like into this park-like setting. It's really nice. Wow. Like, a great place to go on the weekend with the family and friends, and it looks really good. Well, head over to drinkdrakes.com, um, and you can, you'll can you see it right there on their homepage. You can click around for some uh, photos and more information about the barn. Okay. Uh, hey, don't forget we got a lot of new shows going on over here. We've got our new Spanish-speaking podcast, Entre Cervezas, is up and running. And if you're a professional brewer, you might want to check out our professional craft beer marketing program uh, called Shine Runner Craft Marketing. It's all available in iTunes and on thebrewingnetwork.com, of course. 
Um, okay, and here's a save the date for you. Usually don't do it this far in advance, but I'm trying to get things done around here. Uh, Saturday, March 30th, 2019, will be our 10th annual Spring Brews Festival. Oh, really? Ten years yeah. we've been doing that. Wow. Um, and it sells out uh, every year now, so you're going to want to get your tickets early. Tickets won't be going on sale until January, uh, but just save the date. Saturday, March 30th, 2019, and uh, another good Spring Brews Festival is on its way. That's right. Now there's no excuse to not travel out here. Yeah, I'm Book hotel you. rooms. Let's go right. already. Unless you're going to the Heads and Tails Whiskey Fest on March 30th, <laughs> yeah. 2019. Right. Yeah. From uh, noon to four. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. In Toto Santos. In Toto Santos. Here in parking garage. <laughs> oh, that's good. Uh, yeah. That's not local enough for me. Mm. Yeah. yeah. There's no bourbon made here. <laughs> no. All but right. we will have ice. Yes. Local ice. Local. <laughs> All right. You can support the Brewing Network by doing your Amazon shopping. It's just a great way to uh, help us out. You just click on the Amazon links on our homepage. You can do this both in the U.S. and the U.K. There's links for that. Um, and when you do so, you just shop as normal, uh, but you, you help out the Brewing Network, and it's a great way to support us. Thank you for those of you that do. If you want to uh, subscribe and join the BN Army, uh, do so by clicking the Donate button. And for as little as $2 a month, you're entered to win uh, a gift certificate in the More Beer Monthly Donation Giveaway where we give away $100 to spend at more beer. And we do that each and every month. Make sure that your address, uh, your email address is up to date in PayPal so that we can notify you if you win. Um, all right. You can get updates over on Twitter, Facebook, and uh, Instagram and different photos and things that we're doing. Send feedback to feedback at thebrewingnetwork.com and send your show ideas over to bevo at thebrewingnetwork.com. That's B-E-E-V-O at thebrewingnetwork.com. And, uh, yeah, always looking for interesting breweries or homebrew topics or any idea that you'd like to see covered here on the session. Uh, all right. Do we have a Twitter game today? We do. Great. Twitter game is brought to you today by Neshaminy Creek Brewing. Uh, owned, uh, sorry, they've been brewing award-winning beers in Croydon, Pennsylvania since 2012. Proud winners of four Philly Beer Scene Magazine Awards for Brewer of the Year and three for Brewery of the Year. Two-time GABF Vienna-style lager winner. Um, and uh, what else? They got a big-ass tap room with 24 beers on tap, 18 of which are rotating seasonal limited beers. A uh, variety of beer styles from Hoppy Double IP to uh, sessionable and poundable lagers, even oak-fermented saisons and sour beers. So if you can't make it out to Croydon, hit up their second location in Jenkintown called the Borough Brew House, which features a full menu and 22 beers on tap, including guest tabs from local breweries, meaderies, as well as Pennsylvania cider. Go to NeshaminyCreekBrewing.com. All right, what's our Twitter game? Well, I don't know if you know this, Justin, but uh, there is uh, um, an epidemic I guess, in oh. the uh, craft beer world for breweries uh, stealing IP, existing, uh, you know, um, whatever. Um, IP. Intellectual property. Intellectual property. Intellectual Thank property. you very much. Yeah. Um, local breweries have done it. Uh-huh. Um, you know, a lot of other regional breweries are continuing to do it. I just saw one today where someone took the faces of the Beastie Boys and put it on their IPA and mm. called it Check Your Head IPA. Okay. Um, Aren't so, they all dead now anyway? Uh, most of them are. Mm. I think the last one is out fighting bears. Somewhere. Okay, so he'll be dead soon. <laughs> um, there's even a local brewery who stole the artwork from a children's book and put it on one of their singular release IPAs. Wow. Um, probably a lot of sludge in the bottom of that one, too. So my question is, with so many craft beer breweries stealing artwork for their labels, 
Whose logo should we steal? Okay. We don't steal shit from anybody. We try not to. We try not to. Mm. So uh, when we what do, do we, we don't get caught. <laughs> what we do is we steal hearts. Oh. <laughs> All day, every day. Yeah. Wow. Um, so what? whose logo should we steal? Give me. Give, we need a new logo. Let's go. Okay. Great Twitter game, JP. Thanks, Justin. I appreciate that, and I can feel the sincerity. <laughs> All right. Let's do some feedback. Feedback's brought to you by the Beer Law Center. You can go to BeerLawCenter.com and check it out. They can help you uh, protect your intellectual property. <laughs> Right. <laughs> uh, and they can help you start your brewery by filing paperwork, uh, especially if you're in North Carolina. Go to BeerLawCenter.com. Uh, only uh, one little email in the feedback for us today. Yeah. Rob from Pennsylvania writes in, greetings, brewcasters. The session is the best show on the network, even when JP is in charge. Oh, shit. Shut up, Beardy, he says. <laughs> Um, I also think the session is the best show on the network. Forget that that sour hour bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> is that still a show? I think it's still a show. It's only know. a show because the rare barrel retweets it. That's all. <laughs> no one would know about it. Right. Uh, he Dr. says. Humber- uh, however, I've been going through withdrawal because I haven't seen any new shows posted in a while. I live on the East Coast and need to get out the door early for work, so I can never listen live. I rely on the podcast. So what's up? Did Justin mm-hmm. win the death pool and nobody could figure out his passwords to post new shows? <laughs> um, just wondering because I'm a session junkie and look, junkie looking for his fix. That's uh, sincerely Rob from Pennsylvania. Um, you know, I was late on posting last our last show, um, which was two. It was the show last show we did was two weeks ago. I do tend to get it up the night that we do the show, um, but JP and Beardy uh, had to do some recording that night, and then I I just got busy with Oktoberfest. It's our fault. So, yep. Uh, so I did. I messed up the, that most recent one. But other than that, they're, they're posted pretty timely. Um, the only time you should see a gap is when we have an off week, which happens uh, once a month. We do, he does bring uh, up you know. a situation that maybe we should plan for. Is does someone else know the passwords? Yeah. Do carry on. Is there a death document? Right. I'm pretty sure it that probably should be given enough time. I could probably figure out your password to everything. Yeah, yeah it's probably true. <laughs> Biscuit. <laughs> with the uh, number one for the I. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like I S had a, is the dollar sign. At, yeah. at for the E. Yeah. <laughs> Elite speak. Yeah, like before my surgery, I had like, I outlined everything. I had all my passwords for oh, all my really? bank mm-hmm. shit, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I'm very uh, anti-dying, and, and I think you're very pro-dying. Right. So... I feel like uh, maybe you know I'm very nihilistic about it. I think I always just assume that the BN dies with me. I don't know what you guys are going to do. <laughs> yeah, really? uh, <laughs> we got to keep on. You know, you know? As somebody else wants to go broke after I'm gone. I don't know what. Uh, yeah, this is all some of us have. <laughs> I won't name any names. Yeah, I understand that. Us, <laughs> yeah, but some of us. <laughs> More importantly, though, have you? I read an article about this years ago that you have to have a bro in your life who will delete your porn history for you. Oh, yes. Who, will, who, who like, knows that immediately upon your desk, uh, death needs to go to your house, open every electronic device you have, yeah. and mm-hmm. remove any embarrassing behavior of any kind anywhere. Yeah. Uh, that, to me, seems more important than uh, making sure the BN lives on. Man, you just, Don't you just, just do that right after you're done watching it? I do, but I always <laughs> feel, you know, that I just there's a chance, and I, I yeah. feel it's important to have a bro like who, Watch. What if yeah, you what if you're exactly <laughs> <laughs> bad enough? They're going to find me dead with my right. dick in my hand. I don't need them to see what I'm watching either. Right. You know, um, I feel like I mean, I just use incognito mode in Chrome and that way there's no history. I see. That's it. Uh, OK. Yeah, because Google doesn't track 
what you do in incognito mode. Well, they can track it all they want, but you just, <laughs> at it's least not someone else can uh, find it. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 I mean, if I was to do that, but <laughs> right. I'm very unhealthy sexually. What's so incognito I mode? I don't even know what that is. I'll show you later. Okay. <laughs> While we look at porn together. Yeah. On our, <laughs> on our Skype session. Right. <laughs> Tomorrow night or Wednesday? Uh, yeah. Um, okay. So. We're going to take a little break, and when we come back, we're going to speak to Plan B Farm Brewery out of Poughkeepsie, New York. Evan Watson will be on the line with us, and we'll learn all about some real local beer. We better message that guy directly on Facebook that we're having a local conversation. All right, it's the session. Hang in there. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Brewcasters on The Brewing Network. Watch out! Do you like beer? They make beer. Watch out! Do you like friends and fun? They make friends and fun. Watch out! Do you still like to have a good time? The 21st Amendment. Watch out! The 21st Amendment in San Francisco, located at 563 2nd Street, two blocks from the building where baseball is seen and played. Try their beers in the pub or try them in the can, featuring... Monk's Blood. Made with real monk. Watch out! So why not have the best time of your life? Go to the 21A and Sean O'Sullivan will personally greet you with a can of... Monk's Blood. The 21st Amendment. Watch out! This advertisement is not in any way affiliated nor associated with the 21st Amendment Bar and Pub, nor its subsidiaries or affiliates. This telecast is not copywritten by the 21st Amendment for the private use of the Brewing Network. Any use of this telecast without Jamil Zanishev's consent is prohibited. Suck it, JP. Do you know the three most important rules in brewing? Sanitation, sanitation, and sanitation. And no one does it better than Five Star Chemicals. Five Star knows sanitation. You can only sanitize clean equipment. And Five Star knows how to clean, too. For craft brewers and home brewers, Five Star has what you need to keep your fermenters serving tanks, kegs and draft lines, sparkling and free of any beer-spoiling bacteria. PBW, caustic, acid cleaners, star sand, Santa clean, lubricants and defoamers, pH stabilizers, and more. Five Star Chemicals has cleaning supplies, safety supplies, heat exchangers, pumps, hoses, and valves. And Five Star is proud to offer eco-friendly products that exceed customer expectations. If you have a cleaning problem, you need the Five Star Solution. Visit Five Star starchemicals.com or call 800-782-7019 800-782-7019 and get the five-star treatment today the program thanks so much for hanging out with us this segment is brought to you by craftbeer.com dedicated to telling the stories behind america's small and independent breweries meet the men and women behind america's beer renaissance by visiting craftbeer.com all right and as promised uh, we should have evan watson who's the owner and co-founder of plan b farm brewery with us evan are you there 
I am here. Hey, thanks so much for being with us. I heard you had a busy day today. Oh, no, not really. Monday's our day off. I felt like that was, I heard the music coming on. I felt like that was the Monday night football thing. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> we, we stole that. Uh, That's true. <laughs> close a enough. talk box going <laughs> yeah. on? Yeah, that was a little ZZ Top we were playing at the break, but don't tell anybody. Oh, right on. Yeah. Uh, so Evan is from, as I said, Plan B, as in the insect, Plan B Farm Brewery, and it's out of Poughkeepsie, right? Uh, yes, sir. It's uh, it's in Poughkeepsie, New York, in the in the mid Hudson Valley, got on it. the East Coast. Okay, uh, folks, you can go to planbfarmbrewery.com dot com if you want to learn more during this conversation or after, and uh, check out how to get Plan B Farm Brewery. So, when did you guys open? And then I'd like to learn about this concept that, that you have. Well, I might be able to tackle both those questions. Okay, and the Monday Night Football theme. Um, <laughs> We opened in 2013 in Fishkill, New York, so a bit south of here, still in the Hudson Valley, not that far away, on a tiny little one-acre property with the goal of making beers out of only ingredients sourced from a small radius, including microflora from that radius. And um, back then, it was like a one-barrel brew house, and um, because I can only get malt uh, from a, a single person who was malting out of a fish tank three hours away, and uh, wow! And now it's it's grown uh, pretty tremendously. What now, was the second part? Was it second tackle I was supposed to make? <laughs> no, I think you. I think you yeah. started to cover it yeah. there. Um, that yeah. didn't make you rethink the local the uh, rule that you put in place, uh, yeah. <laughs> having to get grain just from a fish tank. What's that? I'm sorry. Is it just getting grain from a, one guy with a fish tank didn't make you uh, rethink the only making local? Well, you know, I'm a stubborn man. <laughs> I, live a, I live a monastic lifestyle, and, I, um, and I'm very principled. So, it, you know, it wasn't a big investment at, at 30 gallons a, at, uh, a shot, you know. So um, at, at the beginning, it was just it was more of a Petri dish. It was just like, a, see, let's see if this this is even possible mm-hmm. and it turned out very possible okay so what what sparked the the idea to do your your beer this way were you a farmer first or or a brewer first who who decided hey i, I really want to make you know just from local ingredients that either i can grow or somebody near me can grow i i, I actually i was a musician first i came to new york as a, a musician in 2008 and had a record contract and, and, and toured the country. But all along, I was uh, I was working part-time. At first, I worked for Guinness, teaching people to pour the perfect pour of Guinness oh. uh, when I'd get back to the city. And um, that was like a part-time gig. And then I worked for Captain Lawrence Brewing Company, which is a, a mid-sized regional brewery here on yeah. the East Coast. Um, part-time and then more full-time as I went along, got more frustrated with the indi- the music industry and uh, got into um, deeper and deeper into beer. And as somebody um, that appreciated all the, the, the regionalities of this country that have seemed to be uh, lost, it was in uh, and, and the concept of, of craft beer is, you know, from Ken Grossman to Sam to Jim Cook to all home brewers just recreating um Brown ales, amber ales, pale ales, just uh, stealing, stealing styles and ingredients from other countries to see what it's like to actually create a beer from a singular location, which is like where any style comes from. And we don't have a lot of that. And it all begins with agriculture, I think. 
Okay. So did you already own a place? Because my understanding is that some of these ingredients you're growing yourself on, on your own farm. Is that right? Yeah, some things, mostly adjuncts. I mean, we're not growing the, uh, the uh, you know, our base malt. Our base malt being grown about 30 miles from us. It's an organic uh, six-row variety that I have a farmer growing for me who's actually not tilling. It's a no-till farm and uh, a Rockefeller estate, so he's a fancy farmer. He's doing <laughs> okay. it more concept- conceptually, so I've gotten the benefit of that. Uh, he's done, like, TED Talks on carbon sequestration. But we're growing this uh, kind of an, uh, an older variety, six-row barley. All the beers are made with that, and his unmalt- or, and then I use unmalted grains as well from his farm and stuff we grow. We grow heirloom corns and fruits and um, vegetables and, and spices and, and herbs and um, adjuncts on the farm. Okay. Now, it was my understanding that, that six row is a little more, I don't know if the right word is complex or, or difficult to brew with. Most, most brewers use two row. Uh, what do you think about the difference there and, and how six row works for you? Well, if you're if the inception of your brewery is that you have to drive three hours to get malt out of a guy's fish tank, you kind of start working with whatever you can get. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I think I've heard uh, the uh, the brewer from Notch Brewing talk about the demonization of six row barley and and corn in this country by the Craft Brewers Association in the 90s, and, and I learned from that. But just, uh, it was, I think in the 90s, it was to differentiate, really, um, macro beer from, from micro beer. Six-row barley is what grows much more naturally in this country, as does corn over wheat or rye, which rye is a fairly natural growing grain in this country. But corn, obviously, is, the, is our oldest adjunct and and uh, six row it works a lot better than two row in most places in terms of growing, and I, I find uh, little difference. I mean, the kernels are slightly smaller. The protein of this this grain that's being grown without tilling or spraying or anything for me is what less so than that of two row barley in the same area. So I don't know. A lot of it's myth, I think. So you didn't have to make any major changes to your brewing process by by switching to a six row. No, but you know, like this, what I do is isn't very. Um, I don't know. It's it's not very contained. It's it's not very repeatable, and every year is kind of a different adventure. Okay, so, it's easy for me to kind of shuffle around as a, you know, as people that really rely on uh, consistency. Okay. And of course, grain now being uh, probably the aside from water, the the largest ingredient you find in beer. Um, there's obviously several others too. Uh, are you growing hops yourself, or just sourcing those locally? At our old farm, we grew a number of hop varieties. Here we have a thousand rhizomes planted, but I really haven't harvested them much. It's like this this project of this farm has been. It's just my myself and my wife and. Our four-year-old daughter, which is kind of a negative one person, um, so <laughs> right? She's not it, pulling her weight. Like, yeah, and, and I don't have an assistant brewer, assistant farmer. It's a ten-barrel brew house, so I, I'm doing all the brewing, all the farming. And every year, it's like, oh, we got to trellis those hops. 
that I'm like, uh, that the spring comes and they just grow up and, okay. and we're aging all, all, all those hops anyways for spontaneous beers. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, so hops in New York have gotten, to, to really answer the question, I, I've had um, some growers that started about five years ago that have gotten to the point where everything's T90 pelletized, um, nitrogen purge, mylar sealed bags and and really cool varieties now we're getting some propriety or proprietary varieties in new york now and it's it's actually a pretty impressive uh change from the beginning a guy bringing me like a ziploc bag full of brown hops at twenty dollars a pound (laughs) so now it's it's a pretty drastic uh, change okay are you doing all spontaneous beers no, actually, I'd say spontaneous beers probably account for like, uh, I don't know, like 10% of our brewing. I, the majority of the beer is uh, with a mixed culture that I, I grow up from our beehives, from raw honey. Um, we pull uh, we pull out our honey, extract honey twice a year in the spring and the fall. And in the spring, I'll, um, I'll pull comb and propolis, like a whole parts of a whole frame, throw it into an Erlenmeyer flask with some low-gravity work and just swirl it around on a stir plate until it starts fermenting and then uh, decant and build that culture up over the course of uh, uh, four or five decantions and then um, and then eventually add it to a 30 gallons, which eventually goes into 30 barrels. So most of our beers have this mixed culture that I've, I've personally grown up, grown up, grown up. <laughs> from, uh, from our, our bees and then in the fall we replace it with that that honey harvest the honey uh, the yeast from that honey harvest the culture do you know what uh types of yeast are found in your mixed culture have you had that looked at no i'm 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 kind of i'm a you know i know that the podcasting especially coast to coast is a relatively uh auditory format mm-hmm. but i'm a bit of a viking uh, and I um, and I live by the by some old standards, and I don't get very micro. It's more of you know everything's kind of palate, sense, experience driven. Okay. I don't want to look under a microscope. I think it'll take away the 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 magic of it all. Personally, I mean, if things are functioning, then they're functioning, and and I've learned ways to herd the microbes. Um, but I, I don't. I don't like looking under a microscope. Yeah, I and, like and, that. And that was the original plan: is to to bank things. But if you talk to to people like uh, I know, are, are you sponsored by White Labs? Is yeah, that- we are. Yeah, that is one of our sponsors. Yeah. Yeah, and they're great people. I met um, Neva Parker, who works there once, and we talked about it. And she said that you know when they get these mixed cultures from brewers, these wild cultures, what they do is they have to plate the most predominant of those cultures, right? And they separate them, and then they mix them back together. And that's not how things exist symbiotically. So I believe, like, people that that are pitching this bread, this uh, lacto, this PDO in a certain way, things will outcompete each other. And, and the great part of, of building mixed culture kind of symbiotically and naturally is that things clean up after each other. Got it. And there's been more beer made without accessibility to a microscope than with, because that's a recent invention yeah. in brewing terms. Okay. The wine Stefaner was making lager before a microscope exists. And, right. So how does your mixed culture act? I mean, what what, are we, what kind of temperatures can it work at? Is it? Uh, 
finicky or is it well, versatile? Or? It's more method acting. Well, I'm, I'm sitting in our old barn right now at our bar because I feel like it was apps for this conversation. <laughs> and, uh, um, and I actually have a, a, a flask right over there on top of a fooder that it's 55 in the barn is fermenting pretty vigorously. So I, I, that's something I want to experiment with, uh, you know, cooler fermentations. But generally I push I push fermentation through uh, in the mid-70s, and it'll free-rise. I have no stainless steel fermentation, so I have no glycol. I have no cap- uh, capacity to control temperature other than to heat, heating things up in a kettle, essentially. Hmm. So um, um, everything ferments probably in the mid-70s, and, and we'll finish up in a few days and in the 80s, and then we'll be aged for a long period of time. And, and you know nothing really finishes until it, it, it extends over a year, eight months in terms of gravity. Nothing will, with my culture will get to zero uh, fermentables um, until about eight months. Wow! But everything drops to about uh, under two plato, like a standard fermentation of, mm-hmm. uh, in in a few days, actually. But, so th- then, are you brewing with the seasons? Are you able to brew year round? Yeah, I mean, I try to brew year-round because I'm in, in the position of being a modern brewery that has this whole, like, capitalism thing connected to it, you know? <laughs> right. So you got to sell, sell beer, I guess. Um, so I try to do it year-round, but I'll tell you, I, I really despise brewing um, in the months previous to this month. And this month, I know this, I don't know when... Oh, this is live, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, so like uh, in the end of the summer, when things this barn will stay at over eighty degrees, it's uh, Fahrenheit. It'll, it's just like it's nearly impossible. And I cool ship everything. So even the pitch that I'm I'm pitching, everything I don't go through a heat exchanger. I go down into our cool ship all year round, and then I'll come back up through a heat exchanger in the hot months. But I'll let I'll let a night uh, uh, have its way with work on in the cool ship at least with every single batch and then in the summer you're just picking up even if my culture is strong uh, you're picking up a ton of uh, bacterial presence and so it's like things acidify like uh, and, and i'm you know i think the trend in, in sour beer in this country or wild beer in this country is to try to pull back acidity uh, in the last couple of years it went from being like, oh, let's see how sour we can make beer to let's see how subtle we can make sour. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and in the summer, I'd say in August, September, August, the, it's it's hard to make a beer that doesn't drop below three five pH, which is not a place I like. I like the beers to hang out in anywhere between three five and four pH. That's like where I really enjoy drinking a beer. And a lot of people disagree. A lot of people like beers at at three zero to three five, but I don't know. I, for me, that's not it's not a it's not beer. You know, you can't drink a lot. Okay. So if you go from the kettle to the cool ship, when do you add your uh, the pitch of your culture? Yeah, so so I'll go from kettle to cool ship and and night like tonight, which is like forty degrees here. I'm, I didn't brew tonight, I'm brewing tomorrow. But I'll go I'll go back up from oh, I'm sorry, you're not sitting here next to me, which is a shame. But the uh <laughs> we have a three tier barn, so I mill with gravity from the hayloft into the mash tun and then it goes from gravity from the mash tun and the in the brew house to um to the cool ship in the, in the cellar with all the barrels. Um, and then it comes back up if I'm pitching 
and then it'll come back up into this tank I had a local sauna maker make out of Hudson Valley Oak. And I'll pitch in that tank, which has become kind of like a homogenization point, like a seasoned cast iron pan. And I'll pitch in there. And then if the beer is going to age for a long period of time after uh, uh, primary fermentation with our culture, it'll go back down to the cellar with in, in barrels. Or if it doesn't, we have uh, three closed um, top fooders. That Hudson Valley tank is, is open. So we have three closed top fooders that get the beer anaerobic and make sure that Acetobacter doesn't rain and um and then and then we we can treat beers in the in the three uh, closed top shooters. So and then they'll, they'll turn around relatively quickly. If, if that they'll turn around in a few months. So when you're describing this process and and using your own yeast that you've the, your own mixed culture, are you saying that that that's just for ten percent of your beers, and then you that you have maybe a, a more manufactured pitchable yeast for the the rest of your 90% or do all of your no, beers? No, no, no. Okay. But yeah, for five years, I've only used New York State ingredients and I've only used cultures I've, I've, I've constructed. Okay. So the only, only beers where I'm not pitching the yeast that we have built up, the mixed culture we have, I've created from the farm, from the honey, the only, t- I said that 10% is uh, spontaneous. That's, I understand. So the only, the only beer that's not using the yeast that I have um, uh, cultured from the farm is beer that's spontaneously fermenting. Okay, understand. And you said each year you you essentially create a new culture from the most recent honey harvest. Yeah, like right? biannually. So yeah. yeah, in spring and in in the fall. Okay. So we have one of your beers in our glass, uh, which is the barn beer. Uh, your barn. Gross. Beer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm loving this beer. Uh, can you tell us about it? Yeah, that's like kind of the, uh, that's our simple staple beer. It's it's my favorite. It's the one I brew the most year round. Um, most beers are just one vintage. It's like uh, I think I we sent you another beer, like a strawberry beer. That's just from that year, strawberries. Whereas barn beer is probably brewed ten times, like close to once a month. Wow, um, it's it's a beer that's with that six row barley, really simple base malt, you know, about twenty percent unmalted wheat from that same organic farm. It's really close to me, mm-hmm. and and then it um, goes to the cool ship overnight, comes back up into that goes into a closed top fooder immediately, gets a pitch of our yeast built up from honey. Um, and and is and there are hops in the cool ship. There are New York Sterling and New York Perla hops in the in the cool ship, and then it comes up to a, a fooder and ferments for about a week. Primary fermentation then gets dry hopped with Perla hops, and then um, ferments for it's a it's a DDH, bros. It's a DCA. <laughs> it gets dry hopped again with uh, New York Chinook hops okay. um, after a week, and then it ages for a month, and then it gets bottle conditioned, ages for a month, where the bread really starts shining, and then it goes out. And I'm, I'm, I bet the beer that you have is probably three months, four months old at this point from it even being released. So total, like, maybe five, six months, which is a point where I really like the way that the Brett pushes and changes the hops. And, yeah. I don't know. You guys like it? It's soft. It's really lemony, good. Yes. It's funky. 
it's a little it's not too tart that's what i was talking about like that space in between three five ph and four ph and yeah, yeah. It, we're loving it this beer uh oh. I, I, yeah i think it's right where you want it in my opinion and and you're right about how the the some of the funkiness and the tartness is is subtle my first my very first sip i actually thought oh well this is is really close to like a nice traditional french saison but then the yeah. you start to get the complexities of brett and that and a little and more tartness than I think you'd find in a French saison, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But it, but in a, it, it's still to me like a a really great example of like a traditional farmhouse style beer. Absolutely. Um, what I really like about it is is the <clears throat> the softness of the malt. There's there's malt sweetness there a little bit. Hmm. So I'll disagree a little bit with what you're saying earlier about uh, you think American sours are kind of decreasing the acid. I think. Everyone's still trying to push that for some reason. Hmm. A lot of the sour beers that I taste are very kind of monochromatic and high acid, and I can't drink a lot of them. But this I can really drink a lot of. It's It, it has a sweet malt to it. It's very subdued. It lets the Brett kind of showcase um, and lets the malt kind of show through as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there is some hop flavor there too, which is good. A little bit of bitterness on the back, which I like. Um, but it, you know, I, I think that your your zone right there between three, five, and four is perfect. I think it's perfect for beers like this. Yeah. To me, the the dry hopping is hard to distinguish from some Brett characters that I've gotten in in other farmhouse and and kind of Belgian funky beers. Yeah, but I'm okay I with pick, it. Oh, I totally think this is a great beer, but I wouldn't have guessed in a million years. Oh, this is dry hopped. No. I would just be like, oh, it's a Brett. Saison kind of sour but Belgian th- style beer. Yeah, but I think that that is dry hopping to to add some different hop character mm-hmm. is yeah. good. Well, that's and it doesn't need to dry be dry hopping with New, New yeah. York hops. You know these yeah. hops oh, that right. are in their infantile stage, and it's working with these hops that are generally subtle. So it's mm-hmm. not it's not like what we've grown, you know the last five years understanding what dry hopping or double dry hopping means. It's kind of just like to work with that secondary fermentation pushing making that bread a little bit angry so it turns that chinook from piney into pineapple hmm. like yes. it's, it's like it's like working with those uh hops and, and a lot of experience i mean it's the only beer i've brewed a lot of so like they're dry hopping and it's a lot of hops really for a beer that doesn't seem like it has hops in it but it's to work with to, to push some of those brett characteristics because it's all about you know the ang- angrier yeast gets uh, especially in particular uh, Britannomyces the more interesting it gets the more it throws um, flavor compounds I do definitely get some of that brett pineapple yeah. uh, aroma absolutely, and, absolutely. And, and, and the hops that you did add and especially at the levels that you did are very complementary the Brett character. Are you guys going to shit all over this beer after I get off the phone? Maybe? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. but you'll never know. I mean, right. I right. Could, be, I'm, you probably don't even have electricity there. So. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. I had, a, I had a, a rub two sticks together really fast to get this phone call. He's in the barn pedaling on a bike. Yeah. That's powering the computer. We actually right. had uh, Bevo, our uh, call screener here, run a cup with a string tied to it all the way to New York so that we could do this. Cool. And we're so excited about the beer. That's yeah, a lot of running. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, this this is a beer that you, I'll tell you how you can tell what we like it is uh, that the whole team here starts uh, giving their opinion about everything. If there's a if there's a 
show where we don't like the beer, it's pretty quiet in here. <laughs> so no, this is, is very good, very mm-hmm. good, very soft. I like the, the malt softness is very is complimentary, like yeah. what's Warren saying, but yeah. in a different way, in a yeah. better way. I said it, it better sounded better. Warren. I mean, I personally. Two row would make this beer a little better, you know. <laughs> I'm totally kidding, but like forty percent, right? Oh, yeah. Yes. I see that bottle, Jay. I'd like yeah. to examine it. Uh, yeah, You're right. This is good. <laughs> You're doing some good stuff. Uh, yeah, I think it's a really good beer. And so uh, you you did kind of cover this. I just wanted to go back to it, but because the, the the New York hops are more are in their infancy, it sounds like you you do have to use more of them to get some of these effects than than you would say a, a commercially available mature hop. Well, I mean, it's, it's you know, if, so if the intent is to brew with things that a new wave of agriculture that's that's being grown for beer making, then, then you're looking at, you know, people that don't know what they're doing on the agricultural side of it. Just like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing on the brewing side of it, okay. you know? Yeah. And so you're, you're dealing with, and, you know, like, uh, you know, people don't know this, I don't think, but closer to you, there, you know, the hot varietals for the last, that have been predominant for the last, uh, actually, not the last few years, but years before that, like Citra and Centennial, all, all these things are, are still under um, contract, much like Man- Monsanto will contract agriculture. So uh, it's impossible to grow those here. It's it's illegal to grow those things here without having that particular license, and they're not giving those licenses to East Coast growers. So we have to find a way around that. And so a lot of people are growing old world, world hops, which um, five years ago when I started, nobody wanted. Hmm. Or they're growing the classic seas like like Cascade and Centennial is actually out of out of uh, licensing, but it's public domain. But okay, uh, the, you know, like Chinook, Cascade, Centennial. But then they're growing Perla, Nugget. Um, hmm. But some of the noble hop rate size is being grown here, and and then nobody gave a shit because everybody wanted Citra, and now you know everything's grown in Southern Hemisphere um, that people want. Uh, but what's happening, I feel like, I don't know, maybe, I don't know if it's on the West Coast or on the East Coast. You know, my neighbor brewer, who's a close friend of mine, is, makes, I think, made a big splash called Suarez Family Brewery on making very subtle beers. And, and there is a, a resurgence to subtlety. I know you guys like lager beer, and mm-hmm. everybody likes beer that tastes like beer. And Saz uh, <laughs> and Perla and Sterling, these hops that grow really well here and have been grown here longer than the other hops. I think are making a resurgence, and and you know, like hops are great. They're the best complement to to work possible, and we established that when we got a, away from gruets. You know, and they are really great, and it can be balanced really well. But I don't think we need a mosaic in, in every beer. I think things like Saz and Perla are really cool, yeah, and, and subtle. I don't and, disagree at all. Yeah. Well, I got to get us to a break, and then we've got another beer of yours to try, too, that we can keep having this discussion, which is the Amore, I think it's called, right? A little more assertive, that one. Amore. might take back everything you said. (laughs) (laughs) This one is awful. (laughs) 
Well, hang out to, to find out. So, folks, we're going to take a, a quick break. Uh, I just wanted to give you a reminder before we do uh, that the American Homebrewers Association, organizers of Learn, uh, Learn to Homebrew Day, uh, wants to let you uh, let you know that that's coming up uh, November 3rd, and they invite you to attend a Learn to Homebrew Day event near you or host your own celebration. Um, and you can do that by visiting uh, the AHA website, homebrewersassociation.org, and view a map of Learn to Homebrew Day events, as well as resources for promoting your own Learn to Homebrew Day ga- gathering. So go to homebrewersassociation.org and check it out uh, for Learn to Homebrew Day. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, uh, more from Plan B Farm Brewery. So hang in there. It's the session. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Brewcasters. The Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Your support of the Brewing Network means everything to us. We couldn't produce shows without you. And we love giving you something extra for that support, like Brew Your Own Magazine. You already know it's a great brewing magazine full of recipes, equipment how-tos, discussions of beer styles, and brewing techniques. Whether you're new to brewing and just starting out or you're an old pro, you'll always learn something from the articles in Brew Your Own. Plus, there are amazing special issues like plans for building a Brutus 10 system, 250 classic clone recipes, and the Home Brewer's Answer Book. Brew Your Own Magazine and BYO.com are awesome resources for any brewer, whether for yourself or as a gift, when you subscribe or resubscribe from the Brewing Network homepage, you directly support programs like this. Get a great magazine and support the Brewing Network. Subscribe to Brew Your Own right from the BrewingNetwork.com. Are you looking for a simple brewing system that's great for all grain brewing, but everything on the market seems to be full of compromises? Blickman Engineering has the answer. The Blickman Brew Easy All Grain Brewing System. The Brew Easy is a complete system with easy upgrades and a beautiful compact design, perfect for any size brewing location. At its core, the Brew Easy is built on two gorgeous Blickman Boilermaker brew kettles, a high temperature March pump, and either a top tier gas burner or the new boil coil electric heater. The Brew Easy adapter lid allows the pots to stack on top of each other, forming an efficient, strong, and compact brewing setup that comes in 5, 10, and 20-gallon batch sizes. Upgrade your BrewEasy system with full automated control by adding a Blickman Tower of Power temp controller and make moving around easy with the Blickman Kettle Cart. The BrewEasy is modular. If you already own a Boilermaker kettle, you can build your BrewEasy by purchasing just the modules you need. The new BrewEasy all-grain brewing system. See it today at BlickmanEngineering.com and brew with Blickman quality on your new BrewEasy. This is Corey King from Side Project Brewing, and you're listening to the session on the Brewing Network. Welcome back to the program. Thanks again for hanging out with us. And I want to have you go check out BrandingBrews.com. It's the Branding Brews podcast with a deep look at everything that revolves around branding and marketing a brewery. Branding Brews interviews industry professionals covering in-depth strategies and topics like labels, packaging, websites, social media content, trademark, marketing, uh, and a whole lot more. Uh, So go check it out at BrandingBrews.com and get yourself some learning done about how to brand your brew. 
Cruz. In the meantime, we are speaking with Evan Watson from Plan B Farm Brewery. Hey, Evan, I was just sent a little piece of information from our live listeners about you that I have to ask. What's about. that? You're from Mars. <laughs> um, yeah. Were you a con- were you were a contestant on The Voice? I don't know. Maybe in, <laughs> in in your music career. I don't know. Uh, you are so subtle about know. your music career. Certain, I've got some blackouts in my life. I'm not going to lie. I could have been. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, I was on. I was on NBC's. This is the voice. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, I just had to ask. Sometimes our listeners uh, dig up dirt on our on our guests for us. You know. Yeah. yeah. Because we're yeah, journalists, so we need to ask the hard-hitting questions. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, always. It's probably one of your buddies around here that uh, turned you in. Right. Could have been. Yeah. yeah. It was probably Mrs. Watson. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> cool. uh, all right. So we do have your next beer in our glass. I thought that would be a good mm-hmm. kickoff to this uh, conversation. So tell us about Amore. Amore is a beer that we've done for four years. And I love uh, growing strawberries. It's a easy fruit and uh, a perennial fruit, and it's something you get a good yield off of pretty immediately. So, I, um, starting out, it was just you know sourcing good strawberries locally, and then growing a lot more strawberries on the farm. And then I got to a point where I was like, "Well, can we get the advantage of farming your own strawberries? You can grab like green." strawberries before they're ripe and add that you can add strawberry leaves you can add uh, mushy strawberries that are rotting and i feel like that's that's what we've done for the last couple of years is like a degree of strawberry quality to try to capture what a strawberry is uh and this this beer is it's a similar base to our barn beer. It's just beer that's been aged much, much longer. It's developed more acidity. It's it's much tarter, and um, yeah, it's blended back on a um, in a fooder on on strawberries. Some from a local farm to subsidize it, but a lot from our farm. And like I said, green strawberries to overly ripe strawberries, and it's funky. It's soft, tart, like sharply acidic. Yeah, it is all those things. And you were right yeah. off the bat when you mm-hmm. said, hey, guys, this one's going to be a little more aggressive than the last yeah. one. Um, but not out of out of whack. It, it, you know, no. it's, it's not it's not coming out of left field, but it, there it's definitely a stronger uh, tart uh, mm-hmm. uh, flavor, more acidity. Right. Yes. Um, but the soft strawberry flavor, I think, helps out a lot. Right. Well, and and when you ferment strawberries, there's not much flavor left. It's mostly just acidity. Okay. It's like the very faint essence of strawberries. So I was kind of curious how much you added uh, to this beer, because you still get quite a bit Um, of strawberry. I think it, I mean, from our farm, we don't add more than a a pound, a gallon. And we get get about another, we're at probably this year, we were at like two pounds a gallon. Mm. 60 pounds but per barrel previous, is a lot. It's a lot, right? Yeah. Previous uh, years, we've done we've done four pounds per gallon. How is there any liquid left when you <laughs> do four pounds per gallon? Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot. It's, it's a lot. And, and the problem with that is there's a lot of natural acidity within the strawberry. Of course. Mm-hmm. It's a hard fruit to, to, to make sour beer with because... 
it's got a tremendous amount of azorbic acid and um, things that will kind of render um, yeast uh, just dead. And it's, it's hard to re-ferment on, and things get down to three pH, and it's just it's just like right. a hard thing to work with. So we try to dial it back, push the funk out a little bit more, push the oak out a little bit more, and um, try to rely more on what we can grow versus what uh, our neighboring farm can grow. Yeah, I, 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 like I said, with acidity, I mean, maybe I was just being optimistic, but I feel like at least on the East Coast, things are are, are getting far or closer. At least from the brewer's intent, are getting less acidic, and and I think that with that too, like subtlety comes in flavors, and to, you know, like instead of trying to make straight up jam like Oud Beer Cell Creek, we're trying to make things that are right complement complementary to. Uh, the beer. I would still put yeah. this solidly in the the middle of the American sour spectrum yeah. in terms of acidity strength. Okay. I think it Oh yeah. I think it's surprisingly refreshing yes. this beer with those because there are these strong characters to it. Sometimes that's just more of a sipper. But remember, I used to talk all the time about how when you when you go to Belgium uh, and you order sour beers, you get it in a pint glass there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just how they drink beer because they they find them to be refreshing beers. Yeah. This is a beer that I would drink by the pint uh, yeah. because, mm-hmm. I, and maybe that has to do with the like the the kind of cool, soft strawberry, refreshing part of it um, yeah. that cuts through the acidity enough. And then, of course, the acidity makes me thirsty. It makes me want to drink more. <laughs> Here's what what it does for me is the there's for me there's a tannin quality to it. Okay. And so I'll drink it, and it's tart, and it's good, and then the tannins kind of squeeze my salivary glands, okay. and it washes away all of the beer mm. in my mouth so in a way it dries it out but it doesn't it's not dried out right it just kind of refreshes my palate and yeah i keep going i want to taste that again where yeah. did it go yeah. and then i keep i keep drinking it mm-hmm. it's yeah. a very good beer yeah it's very well balanced and so how do you do you uh process the strawberries at all or are you just throwing whole strawberries into this beer no, we I mas I macerate the strawberries, so like five gallon buckets of what we can harvest and freeze and stuff from a local orchard. Then we'll just do um, we'll have like an immersion blender in a five gallon bucket and um, add them throughout the season. And how long will it sit so we'll, on those we'll, we'll, on that fruit? We'll we'll blend them. That's what I was saying. Okay, and you said that this goes into a fooder on top of the fruit. How long will it sit in there? Yeah, it's beer that's blended up from barrels um, from their cellar back to a fooder on the fruit for re-fermentation. And it'll be on there for like a month and a half, like not too long. Okay. Uh, you kind of want to uh, sustain some of those flavors. And, and a month and a half to two months is kind of a nice window of strawberry harvest. And is this just with your your own yeast culture as well, or is this uh, spontaneous? Yeah. yeah. Okay. No, it's just this is all uh, beer that's been inoculated with our culture and then aged for probably anywhere from a few months to a year. Got it. And then added. How yeah. big are your fooders? Hey, how big are your fooders? I know. Yeah, hey, I'm, I'm not, I'm not so fooders on here. It's always size with this guy. I'm not the one with fooders, so <laughs> I'm fooderless Pretty over here. Pretty personal question. <laughs> yeah. That's right. So Warren's fooders um, are small. Right. 
Uh, I have one Fooder Crafters Fooder. Shout out to Fooder Crafters of St. Louis. They're amazing. Oh, yeah. It's been custom made. It's 28 barrels. But that's not what I use for this beer. That's for the barn beer. Um, the other Fooders, one is 10 hectoliters and one is about uh, 15 hectoliters. So like one's like 11 and a half barrels. The other's like nine barrels or eight barrels, I guess. I was just trying to get an idea of how much strawberry sludge you're having to scoop out of the fermenter yeah. after this beer. <laughs> well, whatever, you know, that's fun. I like that. <laughs> that's fun. I like being messy. Uh, I like, you know, I, I used to jump in puddles as a child. Right. You know, I'm that, I like to get in there. Understood. Well, you're doing well. This beer is great. Yeah, this beer is excellent. Yes. And I wanted to bring up another local ingredient. I guess it, you can call it ingredient. I read on your website that even some of your barrels are locally grown oak. Yeah, I mean, that's that's speaking of primarily the, the uh, open kind of... Uh, they're horny tanks, really, like open fooders. Um, that are made out of Hudson Valley oak that were they were constructed by this guy named Bob up in the Adirondacks. Of course it was. Um, who makes saunas. Um, and then I, I do some fermentation um, in whiskey barrels from a local distillery that has a very similar ethos. It's very close to us. And Bob makes the whiskey barrels for them out of Hudson Valley oak, out of uh, New York um, white oak. So there is some of that. I mean, predominantly uh, the aging is happening and, and spent wine barrels from either Napa or, or France. Okay. That, that, and then, the, you know, we got this one big St. Louis fooder, which they're using St. Louis, I mean, the Missouri oak, white oak from Fooder Crafters, and then uh, the other two are Maldi fooders from, they're Hungarian oak, but they're constructed in Italy. Okay. So I don't. I don't want to lie to you guys. I, I appreciate is, that. Is the steel that the rings are made of on the barrels also <laughs> made in New York? <laughs> right. <laughs> no. I, yes. The answer is yes. Okay. Oh. oh. Well. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Make America great again. Boy. That's right. <laughs> so you're you're doing it single handedly, man. New York. The, the more I talk that, to you, that was very tongue in cheek. Let me. <laughs> that's, that's fair. We understand. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Talking to you about all this, and, and you mentioning you're you're kind of a Viking. I just I I picture that he doesn't even have like cotton clothes. Like he's wearing a hide <laughs> that he that he killed over the summer. Some right linen, now. like yeah, uh, you know. What are these clothes that you see? <laughs> right. His house is just like carved out of a tree, you know. Built in the side of a hill. Right. So right. it's 68 degrees what no matter what. Houses that you speak of. <laughs> right, yeah. Exactly. And by the way, when you have your Viking burial, um, can I be the one to shoot the flaming arrow into your canoe that we push off into the Hudson or wherever we go? If, if you're capable. Oh, yeah. I, you'll you'll never burn. To. If Justin is shooting that arrow. Yeah, how strong? Justin's not very strong. I'll just light myself on fire. <laughs> yeah. It'll flip back and poke him in the eye and then burst him into flames. Right. Always stealing the show, that You're Justin. Right. Yeah. Look at me. Stepped all over Evan's <laughs> funeral. <laughs> Yeah. We do. We do have a. We have a pond. We have like a swamp pond that um, <laughs> that I've said that's what I want to happen. Yes. Uh, when I meet my my maker and um, 
And Emily, my wife's like, absolutely not, because then our grandchildren will be swimming around in the pond. <laughs> and every time they feel like grass tickling their feet, it's like, it's grandpa. <laughs> That's true. She <laughs> makes the, a good point. The bones are going down in the pond, you know. You're right. it's just, I'm just going to live in that pond. It's going to be haunted. Listen, you have to give back to the land. Right. It only yes. makes sense. Yeah, for sure. And a pond increases Justin's chances of actually hitting your float. That's true. I think the only way I could hit him is if he's in a bathtub in front of me. <laughs> I think we should just light Justin on fire and then get like a trebuchet to then oh, catapult yeah. him into the... Oh, my God. You know, just, yeah. hey. That's not a bad way to yeah. go out for both of you. If you're going to go out, you might as well go out strong and on fire. I agree. <laughs> that seems like very Monty Python. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or Hunter Thompson. But, yeah. yeah. Um, well, can you tell us about any other interesting uh, ingredients we might find interesting um, from the farms around you that you're using? Different fruits, vegetables, spices, anything like that? No. No, <laughs> no that was about uh, it. <laughs> No, there are things like just using New York ingredients and trying to compete in, in, in the market with uh, all these fancy lactose, crazy pineapple guava things or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's been interesting working with farmers and, and getting to learn things. I'd say we do a beer called Zone 6, which is alluding to our growing region, which is a relatively cold oh. growing region. I thought it was um, a Gucci but, main reference, but... Hmm. Um, but it's it's uh it, it the adjuncts are uh, black currant and uh, quince and fruits that uh, people don't think of often, but in my opinion are, are very similar to tropical fruits. Like black currant has a lot of parallels to um, guava and um, passion fruit, kind of like those those sharp, funky, but kind of deep, savory Swedish fish like fruits, and then the um, the quince has this huge pineapple aroma on its skin. It's a relative of a pear, and it's and like so much so that when we transport it from the farm, we get it from in our car. Um, it'll like our, our car will smell like it for months. Wow! It's just like and we'll just use the skins. It's so intense, and um, and that's been one of our most popular beers. But it, it's you know it, it's like saying, hey, these are all these huge like pineapple and tropical flavors from fruits that are grown in cold growing, cold hardy growing regions. That's a good example. I mean, things we grow on the farm. We grow, you know, we grow a lot of herbs. We grow, you know, all the lemon herbs, lemon thyme, lemon verbena, um, lemon basil, lime basil, all those kinds of things. Um, I, I love growing um, these heirloom corn varieties. They're really cool, and then we use that as an adjunct for a few of our beers. And I don't know. Do you uh, do any draft uh, sales, or is it all bottle conditioned? Because we just have bottles sitting here. We don't really do draft sales. There's, it's very uh, rare that beers go out to bars and on in a draft um, format. But we we have eight taps at the barn, and and we we invite people Friday, Saturday, Sunday to come and, and drink drink beers at the barn. And um, those are all keg conditioned, mm. so everything's. Con- I don't have. Um, I don't do like CO2 injection, forced carbonation. Mm-hmm. So everything's because uh, that's a pretty vital part of the the flavor profile is the re-fermentation of our beers with our culture. So that uh, everything uh, we have, yeah, we have draft beer, but it's primarily just at the bar. 
Okay. When you do the conditioning, do you also add more uh culture at that time or are you just adding sugar and and then what's there it really really depends on the beer if the beer's aged for a very long time then we'll add our culture back to it but if the beer like the barn beer i intentionally don't i don't repitch culture because i want the count of brett to be fairly low so it does push those those flavors a little bit quicker um yeah like you know the more stress yeast stressed out is what creates flavor uh, whether it's temperature or low cell count or ethanol, acidity, those things that stress the characteristics, I mean, the components of a beer that stress out yeast will create more flavors. Those might be off flavors, you know. And, and it's all about learning how it fits in. But I found with the, the beers that are more farmhouse beers that turn around within a month or so, not to pitch because it'll drive a, a more complex bottle conditioning flavor. Got it. Sounds like you like to work. It sounds like you like to work really hard over there. Evan. <laughs> if I can't tell if you like beer more, or you just like working. Working all the farming, oh, no. all the. Well, there's, there's no there's no difference between it for me. Like my uh, we you know we we lived here for three years and, and now we have an apartment off the farm but you know like when you're trying to run away from a music career that just stabbed you in the back you just <laughs> fucking put your head down and just keep working what happened evan, to- evan who hurt you? I, can, I cannot wait to get drunk with you and hear this your your life story i know i want to know who hurt evan and why yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's all good, guys. <laughs> Everything, everything's you know, fine. He reminds me oh. of. He reminds me of Push. Uh, yeah, Mr. Charlie Essers. Okay, mm-hmm. why? A, because he had a huge uh, I mean, other life. He had a other life that he doesn't want to talk about in the music industry. Right. Our, our, our friend Evan was right. uh, big into uh, you know music production, produced albums like with Ice Cube and like mm-hmm. the Beach Boys and all. And he but would never talk about to it. Talk about like his work. I think he was either Emmy nominated. Yes. Or he won something, or I forget. Never, never cared. This refuses to talk yeah, about it. Right. And you remind me of that man. The only thing he'll say is he hates the Beach Boys. Yeah. <laughs> so every time, they, every well, time they come around or anything, <laughs> I, I send him a thing. I go, hey, dude, just Beach Boys albums, great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the more you put yourself out there in this world, the more you can get scarred. <laughs> that's true. That. That's a good point you make. Actually, that's you know what? That's our. That's today's uh, advice for for the show. <laughs> It's the lesson of the show. Uh, it's the lesson of the show. The more you the put more out you there, know. the more scars you have. Hmm. Now, do you also have axe throwing on weekends when the tap room is open? I picture oh. I picture that as a thing. But only but axe body spray throwing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just throw that. We it's throw, safer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we throw uh there's, do you guys remember there's an axe body spray flavor that was called really ripped abs? <laughs> that was an actual no, 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 but no, I want to. We've, we've got a pallet of it, and that's how we start all of our <laughs> from an aerosol explosion Ooh. of really ripped abs. <laughs> I love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, can I ask this personal question? Because you brought it up. You, you said you now have an apartment off of the off of the farm. Uh, why did you do that? Yes, Just to separate from the biz a little bit, or? Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's actually a brewery in this uh, apartment complex, so it's like, <laughs> can't get wow. away from it. Oh. Yeah. Did you know that no, before you got the apartment? 
What's that? I said, did you know that before you got the apartment? Well, we recommended these people to to the the owners of the, the complex to put in brewery. I don't know. Ah, got it. Um, it's called King's Court Brewing, but it's in our it's in our apartment. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know. I, it's um it's a way to get away. I rarely sleep there. Okay. Um, because, like, tonight I'm at the farm. I'm, we're bottling tomorrow morning. So, like, if I'm brewing or bottling, I sleep here. And, um, I don't know. I, I love the farm. We're, we're planning on building a, a real house here. We have this little tiny cabin, a 400-square-foot cabin here. So Okay. And we have a daughter, as I mentioned before. And it's, it's just, like, it's, you know, it's tight quarters. Now, now that makes sense to me because I just mm-hmm. I couldn't picture uh, you know all of this on the farm and everything grown and the Viking mentality and then he go and then he leaves and puts on like a Gucci suit and and lives in a gated community <laughs> like that part yeah. just wasn't fitting to, you know he's in like a luxury condo down the road yeah. after getting filthy all day at the farm right Balenciaga slides you gotta but you it, yeah, it makes sense now you had you know place for your family until you can build a house there now now yeah. I get it. it's, okay. it's a renovated hotel. It's, it's, they did a, it's actually we, we're like close with the the Poughkeepsie um, politicians and stuff, and it's the wife of the mayor who renovated this hotel. Poughkeepsie's not in a great spot right now in terms of development and quality of life in the city of Poughkeepsie. So it's like it's a way of just like being a part of the the movement, and also um, yeah, I mean it's it's a cool place, but we call it the hotel. So it's like okay. we're going to the hotel. So it's a way for me after like weeks of just not showering just it's you know like when right. you if you've ever traveled around and you know you get a, a hotel that's really nice you're like ah oh. oh yeah you watch guy, guy fieri you know some diners <laughs> yeah you get like one night of luxury I, it totally makes yeah, sense exactly. it's, so, it's so refreshing uh, yeah. You're going to confuse your child, though, staying at the hotel her whole young life. She's going to be weirded out later on when people ask her to go to the hotel. You know. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Just watch out for that. Uh, she, she's already confused. <laughs> okay. That makes sense. Uh, I know Poughkeepsie a little bit. My brother lived there. He went to the Culinary Institute that you have. Oh, there. dear Lord. Yeah. Um, we love the Culinary Institute. They're great. I was thinking that would be, that's probably a, an interesting resource for you from time to time uh, to work with the, the culinary students there. I just grew to beer there uh, last week. Excellent. With the, so, so they, they uh, Culinary Institute is, uh, Brooklyn Brewery has actually built a brewery in the Culinary Institute. And um, one of my close friends, Hutch Kugerman, who's one of the great New York brewers, um, is the professor of, of brewing. Oh, I guess I'm not supposed to say professor. He's, I don't know, I fucking, he's a professor. Uh, <laughs> and he teaches all the kids how to brew. And we went and I brewed a beer over there recently. And the culinary students come over here once a year, or I guess once a semester, to um, to see something that's kind of far out and different and connected to agriculture. So we have a close relationship with them. Nice. It's in Hyde Park-ish. They always say Hyde Park. It's really Poughkeepsie. Okay. But do you know Poughkeepsie then? Just so a little bit. I had only visited him a couple of times there. So I, I knew uh, that it's kind of way the fuck out there and um, that it has an extremely excellent culinary institute. I mean, that's one of the highest rated culinary schools in America, really. Yeah, it's great. It's the CIA. The other CIA. The other CIA. <laughs> well, and we have a division of it out here in Napa, too. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, they, yeah, I knew that. Yeah. yeah. But I think you still, if you want the real credibility of getting a degree from CIA, you still go to Poughkeepsie to get it. 
So. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, we have uh, uh, we have Marist College and also Vassar College and Dutchess Community College in Poughkeepsie. Uh, so we have a lot of opportunities. It's just one of the cities in the Hudson Valley that got ran down through the the seventies, eighties, post industrial crack. Yeah, you know the crack times and yeah. I mean, but there are a lot of cities that have uh, made a pretty strong comeback that are just south of us. So you know, we're working at it. And we're it, we're interesting that we're like we're still in Poughkeepsie, so we're really accessible. We're only a few miles from the Metro North train station, which is uh, the last stop of uh, public transport to to the city, New York City. And um, these farms here, where we are, the Unreal Family Farms, fed a lot of the Hudson Valley. It's like 500 acres were the last like agriculturally zoned acreage in this area. But it's been, it's very strange to come to our brewery because there are cul-de-sacs and, and communities that have been built up and developed right up against us. Oh, that and is then you come back to us, and it's all these barns from the 1800s. And um, yeah, it's a pretty co- it's a pretty cool thing to have the, the the proximity to a fairly metropolitan area, and the, and and people come up here on the weekends, even from the city of Poughkeepsie or the town, even from down the road. And they're like, I feel like I'm in another, uh, another place. I like that. Well, like I said, I hope to one day, uh, make it there and get drunk with you so I can hear the rest of your life story, man. You're an interesting guy. Oh, well, it's very, I'm very honored for you guys to, to want to talk to me. <laughs> I'm eating corn nuts right now. <laughs> He's like, my wife doesn't even talk to me anymore, so this has been nice. <laughs> what, your wife's not talking to you? What's that about? Uh, None of them. If I had one, she wouldn't. You could be sure <laughs> yeah. of that. Uh, all right, folks, you can go to Plan B Farm Brewery and check out more and learn about the beers and uh, you know get the tasting room hours and go check them out up there in Poughkeepsie. Evan, thanks so much for being on the show and sharing your beer with us, man. It's really good. Yeah. It's my pleasure. It's an honor. Thank you, guys. All right, brother. Be well, and thanks again. Cheers. Yeah, take care. All right, there you go. That's Evan Watson. He's the owner and co-founder of Plan B Farm Brewery out there in Poughkeepsie, New York. And All right, now just so he knows. Yes. The beer really was good, right? It was good. It was <laughs> yeah. still, it's still good. It's, yeah. I yeah, thought it was still good. I thought it was fantastic. And oh, his uh, beer? <laughs> oh no, okay. I was drinking something else. Yeah. I guess. Oh uh, no, that first beer, just the barn beer, I really loved it. Mm-hmm. It was great. Um, it was really good. Man. Both of them right. very good. So, yeah. and there's no chance of us finding this beer out here, right? Probably not. Yeah, I would imagine. That makes me sad. I know. <laughs> yeah, right. We might actually have to follow through on a visit with this one, so we can have yeah. the have the beer again. But um, I barely know where New York is. <laughs> Let alone Poughkeepsie. Right. It's right above York. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. Old. Idiot. Dumbass. Okay, we're going to take a break. Um, I want to remind you to go to greatfermentations.com. They've got the largest catalog of Blickman products in the world, and their staff is some of the best trained in the business using Blickman products. They offer top-notch customer service and same-day shipping on many items. Check them out at greatfermentations.com. And be sure to like them on Facebook at gr8fermentation and Instagram and Twitter as well. Greatfermentations.com, a strong supporter of the show, and, and you should go thank them for that like we do all the time. All right. 
We're going to take a quick break, and we got an interesting segment uh, coming up. We're going to be talking to Ting from uh, Eagle Rock Brewery about uh, a recent lawsuit. Yeah. Uh, oh. a little, uh, it's it's gender-related. It's got all the makings of a great drama. That's true. So hang in there. It's the session. We'll be back in just a couple minutes. Listening to the Brewcasters. Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Check out their brand new patent-pending mash and boil 110-volt electric mashing and boiling unit. This compact all-stainless unit lets you mash, sparge, and boil just about anywhere that has a 110-volt plug. Double-wall construction adds to efficiency and safety, and a precise thermostat keeps temperatures where you want them. Unlike insulated buckets and converted coolers, multiple temperature rest mashing is easy to do all for under 300 bucks they also feature the mark ii work pump a magnetic drive high temperature pump that does the work of pumps that cost twice as much as well as exclusive brewer's edge regulators and quality keg king kegs and disconnects check them out today at williamsbrewing.com to bruise their vast selection Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters, this is Jamel Zanisha, and I want to tell you about Heretic Evil Twin. You might be familiar with my homebrew recipe, which uses massive late hopping to create a balance between the malty sweet and the hoppy bitter, along with an outrageous malt and hop character. I wanted a beer with the same bold hop and malt character, so we played around with the homebrew recipe until we were able to make a great commercial version, too. We've created a beer rich in malt character, full of caramel, toast, biscuit, and an ever-so-subtle roast note. On top of that, we piled in an insane amount of Citra and Columbus hops at the end of the boil, as well as in dry hopping. This damn-the-cost approach to hopping gives Heretic's Evil Twin a great blast of citrus and tropical fruit that can't be matched by any other hop. The result is a bold, malty, hoppy, but easy-drinking beer. This is our top seller, our flagship beer, and I couldn't be prouder of it. Cheers. To find Heretic Beers near you, click on Find Some at hereticbrewing.com. Brewcasters are back. It is a 401 beer. Whatever. All right, welcome back to the program. Thanks so much for hanging out with us, and thanks to Plan B Farm Brewery for being on the program. If you want to learn more about yeast, gain a more in-depth knowledge, uh, join White Labs November 5th and 6th for their Yeast Essentials 2.0 in Asheville, North Carolina. The two-day workshop will explore fermentation control points, tips for maintaining optimal yeast performance, and how to develop desired yeast flavor compounds. Attendees will learn methods for off-flavor detection and sensory evaluation techniques of different strains, as well as how to properly troubleshoot different fermentation problems. If you can't make it to Asheville... No problem. They're offering a webinar version of the event. Register uh, by, well, you missed uh, early bird pricing. Sorry about that. But you can still register by going to whitelabs.com slash education. That's whitelabs.com slash education. All right. So as promised, we got a pretty interesting segment for you right now. I'm excited. Um, yeah, we're going to be speaking with Ting from uh, Eagle Rock 
brewery down in uh, Eagle in Rock. LA. Uh, isn't it in the, the city Rock called District. Eagle Rock? No, it's LA. It's, 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 it's LA. District, yeah. it's, it's a, I got it. Okay. And I want to say this is either, if not maybe breaking news, but we're one of the first exclusives, I would feel. Uh, I, I saw like an article on this. <laughs> we finally got an exclusive. Uh, oh. Yeah, well, one of the first. So okay, is, can, right. you, can you have multiple exclusives? It only happened like six days ago, this whole uh, yeah. thing. So. Debacle. Um, well, let's speak with Ting. Uh, Ting, are you with us? I am. Hi. Hi. Thanks for being on the Ting, program. It it's, it's good to hear your voice again. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Well, I wish we were having you on the program to discuss something that might be a little happier in your life. Um, but, but we thought that this was really worth talking about. JP brought this to our attention here. And uh, I said right away, yeah, we, we got to have Ting get on the program and talk to us about this. So I'm just going to kind of let you explain uh, what happened with your uh, essentially a, a women's uh, beer group that you had been hosting for years at Eagle Rock, right? Yeah, so we do a women's beer forum there uh, once a month, and we started this, I don't know, I guess about almost eight years ago now. And so, uh, you know, different topic every month. We go through different styles, talk about the historic basis of the styles, uh, the breweries that made them, uh, things like that, and essentially originally developed to kind of bring more women into the dialogue of beer and to give give the people who attended a vocabulary essentially so that when they go into kind of the growing beer scene in LA if they go into a a bar um, and talk to a knowledgeable bartender they'd be able to be directed in that massive volume of a list of beers so that they kind of be directed to the right style for them so to speak okay and and so, uh, so yeah, that all started a while back. What led you to? That's okay. What led you to to feel like a, a specific women's group might be be helpful? What was happening in the industry that made you think, well, I feel like something's missing here? Uh, have you never been to JBS? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The bathroom lines, man. The bathroom lines. That's what made me decide. Understood. Um, yeah. So you want longer lines at JBS, <laughs> right? <laughs> Um, uh, actually what it was, was that when we started up in 2009, so, uh, at Eagle Rock Brewery, we were one of the only breweries, uh, open in the city of LA. Mm -hmm. Actually, I think we were the only one that was open in the city limits of LA at that point. Um, and it was, it was just one of those things where I was, you know, I mean, small mom and pop, it was myself, my husband, Jeremy, and my father-in-law, Steve. So the three of us were still spending lots of time behind the bar. Um, being the one woman behind the bar, uh, ladies would come up and ask me what I liked to drink because they got dragged there by their spouse or their boyfriend or friends of theirs. Um, and so the women would tend to gravitate towards somebody who thought, you know, who they thought would be able to appreciate kind of their their palate sensibilities and but so frequently um i guess for lack of a better word mansplaining would happen yeah. uh on on you know my behalf even i mean i would just get straight up cut off as i started to explain anything so i was just like oh all right so okay and and most quite frequently there were um explanations that weren't entirely correct and but at the same time I was just like all right I'm, you're just gonna run with this and I'm I'm just gonna go on to the next customer in line that's totally fine yeah yeah um, 
But then also when we were going to beer events because of the fact that we, you know, there there wasn't that much of a beer scene in L.A. at that point in time. So when we would go to beer events, the number of times that beer reps would come up and assume that because I was a woman that I would really dig this blueberry wheat beer that's <laughs> super gnarly. Yeah, of course. So uh, after drinking a number of uh, beers that, you know, weren't necessarily my style um, to drink and seeing this behind the bar, I just figured that I wanted to create a space where, you know, it's like women could come and learn about beer in an environment in an environment that it wasn't so male dominated. And that's kind of the the overarching fact is that, you know, beer industry, we talk about it uh, within the industry all the time of how to include more women in the dialogue. Uh, the answer is not making chick beer mm-hmm. or whatever the hell that is. Whatever that is. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, so that's, that's just one of the things that, um, or a couple of the things that were the impetus to, to creating the Women's Beer Forum. Okay. I'm confused. Could you go back and mansplain it all now? Uh, I didn't understand. That's really, the correct use of that term. Right? Really yeah. I think so. What are hops? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and okay. And so you've been uh, hosting this group s- since what? Something like 2011 or? Uh, yeah, I think March of 2011 was the first one I did. Okay. It's the first one I had heard about. And so we've been doing this show for 13 years. Yeah. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, there, there are a couple groups out there that, that do this. But I think this one that Tink put together was the first one that, that was ever on my radar. Okay. Uh, which is really cool. Yeah. Honestly. And and did you find a lot of, uh, for lack of a better term, success or, or interest in, in what you had created there? Yeah, I was uh, initially when we first started up, I mean, uh, our tasting room is tiny. We have just a handful of tables, seats for maybe 30. And when I first uh, came up with the idea and started to promote the first one, um, I had kind of told the guys that, yeah, I'm just going to, you know, have this woman's form. We'll probably just need that little table in the corner there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <be> good. <laughs> And then um, as the RSVP started coming in for it, I was like, oh, all right, well, there's a little more interest in that. And um, I guess we'll move it to the grain room because we can just put some chairs up in the grain room. I mean, at this point in time, our brew house was still pretty empty, um, didn't have as many tanks. We didn't have fooders in there. Okay. And so, um, but as the RSVPs kept on rolling in, eventually what happened was for that very first forum, we just had to shut down the brew house, and I took over the entire wow. brew house. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. Yeah, uh, yeah it, was, uh, it was really shocking, and I was just like, oh, man, what have I done now? I actually have to talk in front of people. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's fast forward to today now, and uh, mm-hmm. I guess there was an incident now that, that has occurred with this group. Yeah, we... Uh, so. There was um, a, a guy that came in, or actually he emailed our general email line first mm-hmm. and to see if men could go into the women's forum or if men could attend the women's forum. And uh, the response that he got was uh, not entirely appropriate. You know, to be fair, we're kind of blindsided and didn't necessarily have a policy per se. So uh, the response that he got was, no, it's for women but you're more than welcome to join us in the tap room. Um, it was, you know what? It 
was our bad as from the ownership standpoint, from the organizer. It's just like I didn't really come up with a policy to train staff appropriately on. Mm-hmm. So uh, because the truth of the matter is we had had plenty of men in the women's forum before, both on the presenting side and on the attending side. And so, uh, you know, we it was all off of our radar at that point in time because, you know, we're small business owners. So Jeremy and I are essentially always drowning in uh, other emails and paperwork. Sure. So then there was a night, the night of the women's forum or the afternoon of the women's forum, rather. Uh, I guess the same gentleman came into the tasting room and kept on asking our bartender if he could go into the into the brew house and our brew house brew house is closed to public the women's forum wasn't going on at that point in time and the the forum is a ticketed event so people have to purchase a ticket to be able to attend and um so he was he was denied the ability to go into the brew house because there was nothing going on um and we don't just let people in there because there are actually beers brewing at that point in time of course so um so after that, he just kind of, I guess it was a really awkward exchange because, you know, after all of it started to kind of come to light, we had our bartender kind of write her statement on, like, what went down exactly so that we could actually get all the notes on it firsthand. And it was really kind of unclear because he never asked to purchase a woman's forum ticket, never said, I have a ticket and I'm attending or anything like that. So she was unclear on it. Okay. And then all of a sudden, like a few days later, we get an email saying, if you don't pay me thousands of dollars, I'm going to file uh, a complaint with the ABC. Wow. <laughs> and so d- yeah. just, to, just to be clear, uh, as you've said here, even though maybe the first email wasn't handled exactly how you would have liked it to, there, there was not actually a policy that banned men from purchasing a ticket and attending. Correct. Okay. Correct. Not, I mean, it's never, it's never been exclusionary like that. It's always been about really kind of opening up the conversation to more people, not fewer. Got it. So he sends you this email asking you for thousands of dollars uh, or else. Um, And so what do you do? I assume you you call a lawyer right away, right? Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, first First thing, number of expletives uh, floating yeah. around in my brain. Mm-hmm. Probably a, a few escaped my mouth at that point in time. I'm sure. Right. Um, and then, yeah, we basically bounced it, bounced it over to to an attorney to have them uh, take a look and advise us on what to do. I mean, it was just it was something that was so strange to me because I'm just like this. I don't understand. I mean, this is something that's it's the women are such a, an underrepresented population within this community that I really don't understand how this can be constituted as discrimination. Yeah. But, um, but yeah. yeah, so it went to, it went to our attorney and essentially our response was that no, we weren't going to pay him there. You know, we were, it was meant. It was never meant to be exclusionary. We apologized for the errant email that he received, mm-hmm. and essentially offered, you know, the same experience for the same price um, that the ladies paid for your next and, event. Uh, yeah, for yeah. the next event, or even if he wanted, because we still had some beers left from the from oh, that educational forum. Mm-hmm. If that was the topic that he was really bent on, you know, learning about. Understood. We're okay. Just like, yeah, man. Still got some. Still got some of those beers. We're happy to have you out and uh, go give you the same educational, you know, talk that we did with the ladies. And um, 
you know, just shoot us an email and let us know. We can we can make that happen. Okay. And? and he said he declined. <laughs> he declined and uh, instead of uh, filed a claim with the Department of Fair Employment and Housing. And I guess that's the uh, government agency that handles all of the discrimination complaints. Okay. And so his email asking for money before he filed the complaint is not extortion? Uh, or like blackmail? In, in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm no, I'm no attorney, and uh, sure. I don't, you know, the legal. I think the legal, uh, the legal definition of extortion is very subject to um, interpretation based on the attorney or judge that you have in front of you. Right. But so the basis here still, though, is that there are laws uh, that exist in place where you're not allowed to discriminate based on virtually anything, including gender. Um, so he he essentially is is citing a law saying you've you violated this by excluding the male gender, and on the male gender's behalf, I'm going to sue you unless you pay me enough to shut me up. Is that about right? Yeah, similar in essence. Yeah, that's kind of pretty much the gist of it. Well, thank God because the beer world it needs more uh, activists for for men. I mean, to be completely <laughs> right. honest, with you, yeah, man. I'm just going to yeah. <laughs> We're well, very underrepresented. Clearly, his goal was not to get into the session and to enjoy the ambience of the of the, of the instruction. He wanted to collect right. money from you as a right. violator of the, of this law, right? Well, you know, as we um, as all of this was kind of unfolding, and our attorneys were doing a little bit of digging, and our our staff were doing a little bit of digging, uh, we did, you know, the. There are groups, um, and this this guy is actually part of one of those groups. And they uh, they've they've had a number of cases that they've filed. Yeah, evidently that number is in the hundreds. Wow. Okay. Ew. <laughs> yeah. 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 Bevo is very upset. Yeah. That was her uh, scumbag. Uh, so okay, now I'm just trying to put myself in your shoes, and and one of the first things I'm thinking is, okay, uh, we made a mistake with a with an email. However, there is no official policy or record of an official policy or very much proof at all that we have been exclusionary or, uh, or discriminatory based on gender. So I'm ready at this point, maybe to, to I'm hoping my lawyer says, yeah, let him go, let him sue you. No big deal. Because when it goes to court, there's no evidence um, of right. wrongdoing. Mm-hmm. You have evidence to the contrary. Oh. It, was, it was open. You did allow men to speak, men to attend. That your actions were, right. yeah, it, was so, it wasn't close. So yeah. I assume this crossed your mind. Oh, totally. Yeah. I was just like, no, man, F that. We are uh, not going to pay this guy a dime. I was I was totally opposed um, to to playing the game. And at the end of the day, I was just like, look, I can, I, there are plenty of pictures from previous forums like that well predated yeah. this whole situation where you see men in the women's forum. And beyond that, you know, it's just like, I mean, I've got, I know who they are. I can get names because we keep, you know, since it is a ticketed event, we have everybody's names that ever attended. I was just like, no, this is, you know, it's slam dunk. Yeah. I'm feeling like, bring it on, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Totally. Totally. I was, I was just, you know, putting up my dukes, just ready to fight it. And, um, you know, totally thought that it wouldn't be, it, it wouldn't be an issue for that much longer. And as, uh, so our attorneys essentially responded to uh, 
the Department of Fair Employment Housing, just DFEH, if you will, um, and said, you know, uh, with basically all the evidence. And then DFEH came back to us seven months later to say, well, we find we find cause because of that email. Wow. And, you know, didn't want to review anything else or anything like that. And I was just like, but I have I have names, I have pictures. Of and course. They all predate, you know, all of this stuff. And but essentially the, the response that we got from them was we either pay or, you know, they would invest like further investigate and litigate on his behalf. So, so, okay. uh, Going up against the state agency. Well, here's where where it gets weird for me, um, as if it wasn't weird already. But the fact that this state agency, uh, for one, it's a little bit bothersome that there's a a face value claim made. Um, Ting presents evidence to the contrary, and they don't feel like doing any further investigation. Um, and they're they're prepared now to bring a case against Eagle Rock on his behalf, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Unless yeah. unless he gets paid. Well, here's where I guess it bothers. Now I'm bothered in two ways. I'm Uh-oh. bothered by this. You're multiplying. I'm bothered by this person bringing a suit, which is clearly looking for money. Mm-hmm. But if the intent of the law is to uh, prevent discrimination. Right. Why would the agency now care if the guy gets paid or not? If they, in other words, if they truly felt the law was broken, this guy can get paid, not get paid, whatever. It's our job as an agency to defend the law. Mm-hmm. We feel there's a problem here. So sorry, Ting, you're now going to court. It's like, But when, they don't say that. It's like when cops file against domestic abuse, even though the other party doesn't want to press charges or something like that. Because like, a law I saw the law has been broken. Was, right. Do you see what I'm saying, Ting? Right. This, this part, now I'm bothered in two ways, not just by this person, and, and not by the law, by the way, but by an agency that if, they're, if they really care about about uh, preventing such a thing, and they feel there's a case, I'm taking you to court anyway. Right. I mean, I'm glad that didn't happen right. to you, I guess, but I'm saying. <laughs> uh, okay, so so they say to you, uh, either pay him or we're bringing a case against you. Right, right. And then so, you know, at that point in time, I was still kind of, I was still totally, I honestly, I called around to so many attorneys trying to find essentially trying to get the answer that I wanted to hear. Mm. But it was the same kind of throughout, Mm. through and through, you know, it's just like most of the not advice opinions that I was getting was essentially that for us to have to defend the brewery in a case of, you know, in a case where we're actually getting sued by the the government, it would take $45,000 to $50,000 before we even set foot into court. Wow, yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And then at which so point you could race. lose also, unfortunately. Right, right. Yeah. And even if you win, it's just like, yes, victory. Mm. Oh yeah, and here's the legal bill of a hundred thousand okay. dollars. So because essentially it's just like everybody's like fifty to a hundred thousand dollars, easy. Wow. Easily yeah. fifty yeah. to a hundred thousand dollars. Wow. And so I'm just like, Oh, great. So so it was you know, it's like it was a very sobering moment in the sense that uh <laughs> It did kind of take my buzz right away Um, because because it was like we were totally convinced that we would be able to fight it. And the saddest part of it is that 
you know, most of the the vast majority of the attorneys that we spoke with are like, you would win the case if it went to court because of the fact that you do have so much evidence that there were men that have attended the women's forum. Hmm. Um, but however, it's, it's more expensive to prove that. Exactly. Hmm. And which is actually why these groups target small businesses, because right. they know that small businesses can't come up with the money for litigation, yeah. not without potentially losing the business. And then even if you win a court case, good luck collecting against an individual to then pay your legal attorney fees. fees. Right. Yeah. right. Well, and with this oh, yeah. with, with this type of case, that actually might not even be on the table at all uh, because you're allowed right. to bring a case like this forward. Uh, and Because it's versus the state, essentially. I guess, yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm no lawyer either, but I'm thinking that that wouldn't even have been on the table anyway. Uh, it's a different type of lawsuit. Uh, interestingly. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't. Have no idea how how that end of it would have uh, would have panned out, but uh, yeah. but yeah. So I mean, essentially, it was just a a total bummer. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> a better word. So this, uh, you know, I have a friend uh, owns a couple brewery brew pubs. Been on the show a few times, and uh, I was visiting at him at his brewery restaurant once, and, and uh, we were talking about this sort of thing, and he was surprised because we had been open a couple years by then, two three years, and he's like, oh. You haven't been sued yet? And he, <laughs> and he almost just laughed hysterically at me. Uh, he's like, oh, my God, I've settled out seven times now. It doesn't matter what you, whether you're right, wrong, sideways. It, nothing matters. Uh, you will get sued, and you're going to settle. It's just what you do huh. because it is nearly impossible to stay open if you don't. Warren? What should we sue Justin for? <laughs> Ooh. And I just, you want me to whip out my list? <laughs> I hope I didn't jinx myself right now, but I just found that such a sad state of affairs. Especially, you know that these things happen. Everybody sees them in the news all the time. Yeah. Uh, you know, the coffee's too hot. Uh, bullshit like that. Um, uh, but boy, when it happens to you, Ting, I, I just bet it, it was flooring. Yeah. Yeah, especially since, I mean, it couldn't have been more opposite of what our intentions were, you know, um, with the Women's Forum. So it was definitely something that as as a team it, it, you know we're all pretty pretty hurt by it right. pretty bummed so you you settled basically oh we had to yeah we had to it's like i i you know i toiled over it yeah there yeah. were tears of fury i won't i won't lie i was pissed yeah um when when the decision had to be made and especially when jeremy was just like i we we need to settle yeah i mean there was a point where i'm just like you need to you need to leave me alone for a little while yeah. <laughs> yeah, go, you go settle something else <laughs> yeah I'll give you something to yeah, settle. Yeah, Jeremy is my husband and business partner. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what you make it. That, Jeremy, you need to settle where you're sleeping tonight. Come <laughs> talking to me about that. <laughs> Figure that out exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it was it was just something that was incredibly challenging. But at the same time, you know, it's just like the the notion of out of principle and out of pride yeah. to put the entire business at risk. I mean. What to have to look at my team and say, sorry guys, you guys are all going to have to find jobs elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, to tell my kid that we're going to, you know, sell all his toys so he can live in the car with us It'd probably be <laughs> right. not something that I was really down to do. So, no. uh, you know, we had we had some moments, and after I gave myself enough time for clarity, we're just like, all right, well, I guess this is what we have to do. Yeah. Um, but that said. You know, I have been speaking to attorneys since about what else can be done. 
And that's kind of the silver lining of it all is that to try to turn this into a positive is to, you know, it's just like we are an incredible community. The beer community has been tremendous through all of this for us. And, uh, you know, it's just like one of those one of those things in building, helping to build the beer community here in Los Angeles is you know what? We're one of the most litigious states in the country. In fact, I think we are the most litigious state in the country. Mm. And and these groups are continually targeting women's groups. And we're in an industry where we continually try to target women to get them to have a dialogue with us. So I like from the ethical standpoint, despite the fact that we had settled, I couldn't just walk away and and just kind of wait to hear about the next brewery that they they did this to um and so we've been we've been talking to i've been reaching out to just all sorts of different people to kind of figure out you know how what can we do to institute some form of change in policy or an amendment to the legislation to protect small businesses or to prevent people from being able to essentially make a career out of suing small businesses. Yeah. Um, those like the laws are necessary. Anti-discrimination laws are necessary. Sadly, we're in a, we're in a world where they still are needed, you know, but for them to be kind of exploited because somebody twists it out of its, its original intent. Um, it's something that, continually happens like you see it all the time with all kinds of different laws um and it's where people kind of turn it upside down and use it for the exact opposite of what it was intended for sure um or even and so i'm sorry go ahead well i just want to point out again that even now let's say you had discriminated the law still Mm -hmm. wouldn't have worked because if discrimination occurred, let's say discrimination occurred left and right. right. Let's just say for my argument that Ting hates men <laughs> and discrimination <laughs> occurred left and right. Don't tell Jeremy. Uh, justice still would not have been served because the agency was perfectly prepared to even drop that suit if the guy got paid. Right. <laughs> It was right. uh, any. Yeah, go ahead. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm just. I'm. Uh, I'm just yeah. hearing of this thing. So now right. I'm the one fuming. Right. You uh, don't know money cures all wounds, Justin. <laughs> right. And and all laws that are broken. Right. Yeah. Uh, okay. So what can be done, King? So essentially, uh, I've been I've been working with an attorney who is you know saying that the only way that anything will change and that any recourse can can be done is that we need to institute some sort of a change in the legislation. Okay. And so um, I know that there are all sorts of haters out there that are like, what? You're going to repeal anti-discrimination laws? (laughs) Right. Yeah. And no, no. Why would I do that? I mean, I'm Asian and female. Like, why yeah. on earth would I want? You got everything going for it. I'm sure Ting you're the one percent. I'm sure Ting has had a perfect life experience with zero discrimination of any kind. Right. <laughs> she has two Teslas yeah, and, and she's living like, the life. Ting, I'm sure that I had no discrimination. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Uh, okay. And is there a specific so, thing that that an attorney has told you can be changed or a different wording? I mean. 
Well, and that's and that's what we're that's what we're feeling out now. So it's just like we're kind of in the research process of how do we how do we go about making this happen? How do we make enough noise? How do we raise like how much is this going to cost? Like what's this going to set? You know, it's just like what does what does it cost to change a law? Because I mean, evidently laws can be purchased somehow, right? I mean, <laughs> evidently, yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, it's given given our uh, historic basis of uh, who all the laws in the beer industry are favor- in favor of. You know, right. it's uh, generally not the small breweries, but. But so they laws have to be able to be purchased. But I mean, it's it really at the end of the day, it's what what's the process, you know? So we're we're in the exploratory phase of that, um, still continuing to raise as many funds as we can through the GoFundMe program um, to to try to do that. You know, it's just like if it means going to Sacramento, and I mean, Jeremy has gone to Sacramento before with the CCBA and just knocked on doors, you know, visited the office of different Mm -hmm. legislators to tell them about what, you know, some of the challenges were that small, small breweries faced. Uh, You know, there's things like that, just talking directly to legislators, um, you know, whether or not we can find an organization that is already starting to, starting to try to launch some sort of different language or or suggest some sort of list different language mm-hmm. um you know if we can if we can team up with them or if nobody else is doing this which i which i i find hard to believe like i can't right i don't know in my in my head i just have a hard time wrapping my brain around the fact that things like this can go down and people are just like oh man that sucks I guess I'll just pay the settlement and then just move on. I agree with you that it's hard to wrap your head around because that basically means that all of us small business owners in the entire country have just decided this is the way it is. And nobody Mm -hmm. has really started this process. And that is hard to believe. It's the cost Uh, of doing business. I would would tend to say that most of the small business owners within the state of California are probably just thinking this is the way. Right. I can't tell you how many times I've heard of people settling out for like things that I'm just like, what the, are you kidding? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. We're in, we're in a city where, or we're in a state rather where the legislation is stacked against small businesses already. Right. And, and so that's, that's the challenge of it, you know, is, is trying to, find somebody who's actually, you know, in support of it and somebody who's going to kind of champion yeah. the change because unless there is a, a very unified and very loud voice to kind of put it all together, we're going to continue just squeaking by in our in our small business voices, right. our, you know. And this is obviously obviously not just brewers. It's it's all small business owners. And by the way, the wording change is easy. It's uh, you know you're allowed to sue for being discriminated unless you're an asshole. I feel like that would cover. (laughs) Feel like that covers every. Take care of that guy. Well, what about assholes? I feel like we're discriminated against. Yeah, you're right, Beardy. Shit. Damn it. Pay him. <laughs> Pay him right Beardy's now. He's going to sue me tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, hey, JP, you were asking him about that list? Yeah. <laughs> Just Let's, got a new entry. Let's go. <laughs> so, okay, so a change like this costs money, Ting. Um, and I think you, you've, I would imagine. you've got a plan for that. <laughs> well, I mean, we've we've got our GoFundMe campaign still going. And we, go. uh, we just posted that up uh, five days ago, I think. Um, I and just donated. our yeah. original fundraising goal because at first i was just like i don't know am i going to put this out and people are just going to be like fuck off everybody else does this oh sorry language. Yeah, you're okay I um, it too. 
<laughs> and and so I was just like, you know, if we can if we can raise enough funds, I mean, keep in mind we are a small business, and this situation has been going on for nearly a year. And I'm like, what are we? How are we going to pay these bills for for our legal fees? And now we have to pay a freaking settlement too. Right. And so, like, I was full on panic mode on how how we're even going to pay that. You know, it's like hell. We didn't even go into litigation, and and I was just like, okay, so it's going to be financial struggle bus for us. Um, so we started this GoFundMe because it would, you know, to offset that. And then also, I'm just like, there are other women's groups out there. I mean, when I hear of new ones, because I receive the emails, it's like I respond to them instantly and just like, Hey, just not discouraging you. I encourage you a hundred percent to do what you're doing. Maybe just add some language in there so that you don't get sued, Yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, and so just to really get the word out as much as we can, uh, we met our fund fundraising goal really quickly. Thank you to everyone who contributed because Holy moly, I was, overwhelmed um and so that would that helped offset our legal fees and the settlement Wonderful. and so by continuing to raise funds we're going to you know shoot for the stars and either you know hopefully fingers crossed i mean the ultimate goal of it is let's get some language put in there where people who aren't truly doing any kind of damage to the you know doing any kind of anything that's anti-discriminatory yeah um shouldn't shouldn't have to go through this you're right so that's what you're going to spend the, the extra money on is trying to help fix this problem yeah i love it yeah i don't know Sometimes maybe i think i'm just a glutton for punishment <laughs> right well you do own a brewery so yeah. i think right. you are and I'm really, on behalf of all business owners, I'm so glad you're doing it, because God knows I can't be bothered. I mean, is, well, you're a very important person. Yeah, right? This is as far as I go with this ting. Um, you could click on the GoFundMe page. <laughs> That's not true. I really believe in this. Uh, so it looks like you can go to GoFundMe.com and search uh, Women's Beer Forum. Is that how they'll find your GoFundMe page? Yeah, okay. yeah. I just Googled Eagle Rock. Yeah. Oh, it, it'll, yep. it'll come right up. Yeah, Eagle Rock. Um, and it does look like a whole bunch of you have already donated. Bevo just said she donated right during this interview, Ting. Um, oh, thank you. Which means I have to give her a raise. Yeah, that guy's a wanker. Oh, yeah. yeah. She used the BN credit card, <laughs> so it's fine. <laughs> right. Uh, I just donated as well. Okay. There we go. So, uh, yeah, if you're listening at home or, or in the car, uh, when you get to a place that you can do so, go to GoFundMe.com and search Women's Beer Forum, or you can search that in Google, as Tasty said. I don't think you're going to find this. And uh, most certainly, if you're a small business owner, it's just something you should be interested in. Um, or if you just don't like assholes, I think it's a good uh, it's a good way to <laughs> yeah, stick and, it to the assholes. <laughs> yeah. And definitely don't go, oh, well, they overmet their goal by, like, five grand, so they don't need... It's a, Like King said, it's an ongoing thing. It's an exploratory yeah. thing. They're going to need a lot of money. And you're you're helping to uh, bring more diversity into the beer world. Mm -hmm. If you care about the beer world at all, and you're tired of looking in a mirror every time you go to the bar, right. we need education. We need to get people in here. And uh, the folks at uh, Eagle Rock, they brew outstanding beers. They do, and uh, they do a good job of bringing education to everybody. So you know, don't worry Thank about you. it. Ting, I'm glad you didn't go yeah. bankrupt over this nonsense. Oh, my yes. God. Me, too. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I don't know where I get my solidarity <laughs> fixed. Right. Yeah, we were um, – I mean, one of the one of the things is – and I have been kind of remiss in updating the fundraising goal only because 
you know, in, in full transparency, I wanted to find out what, you know, what an estimate, ballpark estimate would be at the very least. So it's not just kind of like a super nebulous shot in the dark. And um, so it, it really is uh, in, in hopes of being fully transparent. I'm still waiting for some responses to find out how much it's going to be so that so that we can kind of release it to the world. Like, evidently, this is what it costs to, to try to get any kind of legislation changed. Yeah. Which is probably um, far more it, than anyone they, thinks. Oh, know. of course. It's more than $10,000. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm looking through the, uh, you know, the people who have uh, who've donated, who've given. Are you discriminating against them? I'm trying to. I'm judging them. No, I'm mm. recognizing a lot of people. Oh, okay. Which yeah. is really cool, man. The, you know, the beer community is great. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes the beer community is uh, is amazing, man. It's uh, this is real. You know, as much as the story, you know, sucks because it happened yeah. not only in our industry but to people that I like. Um, people are rallying around it, and it's a it, you know, hopefully something positive can come out of it. Agreed for all of us. Yeah, Thank you for really. yeah. Um, well, I'm very sorry, as JP said, too, that this happened to you. Uh, but thank you for putting, uh, you know, taking a positive take on it to see how you can help everybody. And uh, we all appreciate that. Well, thank you. And I appreciate you guys having me on the show. Keep us up to date. We love having you on the show uh, yes. in general. And, uh, yeah, you know, if there's any movement on this or you, or you need a, to get a word out uh, of anything else, uh, if you'd like to post a picture of the individual. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can we name names? Any, or any home address? The, any of those anything? things I'm happy to do for you. That's all on the Internet. There's articles about it, and it's got pictures of the guy if you want to. Does it really oh, oh, already? Yeah. Oh. It's all out there. Yeah. Look oh, it up. man. Get his address. Can we have him on the show? <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I did we are reach, fair and balanced. Right, yeah. I did reach out to the organization. We're him to the consulate. Um, to, to, to try to get him at least a, a response. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, they're like, oh, we can't find any information on it. I was like, okay. Of course. Here's, <laughs> here's like the, the articles. And, here, and I never heard back. Because yeah. so, uh, I'm very curious. I don't understand how it's, it's, it's blackmail. It's a threat of blackmail. That is right. against the law in and of itself. Right. And, and if you were given the opportunity to, to right a wrong, it's not discrimination. It was an error. Yeah. And, and that yeah. shouldn't, the state has better things to do with their time, surely, uh, than to, than to, Clearly to do that. Yeah, so I uh, never, never heard back. Right. But I will be following up. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Okay. Don't let go. Well, once again, you know, I'm, I'm glad you're taking a positive, uh, uh, you know, spin on this and trying to do something different. I hope you're no longer losing sleep over it like I might tonight, um, <laughs> because it's it's best just to... No, it's fine. <laughs> Believe me, there's plenty of... Yeah. Ting is so sweet. She's just apologizing to you yeah. because yeah. you're some schmuck. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, you're an idiot. Yeah. Um, no, she got sued. Yeah. <laughs> but really, I mean, it's, just, it's unfortunate to say, yeah. but uh, this is... I, it's part of doing business. What a terrible thing to say. I, um, I hope we can get something done, Ting. Thanks for, for spearheading this. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me on the show. Of course. All right. Keep us up to date. We'll talk to you soon. Will do. Take Thanks, care. Ting. Thanks, Ting. Bye. Bye. Uh, all right. Well, they're, look, they're also just great people down there at oh Eagle Rock. Mm-hmm. Every single one of them. And, Except um, Lee. He's an asshole. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> mustache. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> cut his hair <laughs> no everyone's good man they make they make my favorite beer in the entire universe they're just solid yep. people good beer dudes and uh, and and dudettes i guess i don't i don't want to discriminate yeah. whoa women um i call my faucet dude like it's you know it's just a thing this is my 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 thermos is a dude uh anyway it sucks but uh what are you gonna do
Yeah, I think that, you know, just another example of this kind of silly thing that can happen. Um, the same guy who, who had asked me, you know, oh, you haven't been sued yet. Yeah. Tell me about a couple of his lawsuits. And um, one of them was a, a woman who wanted a place to breastfeed and asked if she could do it in his office. Yeah. And he said, no, uh, but we do have a, a, a locking um, all gender bathroom um, that has a, a changing table and all the it has everything that you need yeah. uh, to do such a thing. You just can't do it in my office. You know, <laughs> right. but he it, but he did provide a safe and secure place for that to happen. Yeah. Lawsuit. I, I and, and he had to because she wanted and, his and, office and he had to settle out of court. For the same reason, because he, he would have been proven right. Yeah. He did provide, it, but it would have cost him more than just pay the person that she couldn't use his private office. Well, and so and, and <laughs> well, I was talking to, to the Eagle Rock folks uh, like last week, and I was like, you know what? For me, and I'm not saying that you're wrong for not doing this, but I would, I, I think that I would be able to. I don't know if you actually can. Uh, just um, uh, be your own lawyer. I, I forget the term now because I'm stupid. But, you the, know what I mean? Yeah, just to, to represent, represent yourself, yourself in court. Yeah, yeah. And then you, uh, then, then the, the legal fees are non-existent. Except that the potential... Right. You know, so you, the potential for damage is still so high. Mm. I mean, let's say, for example, whatever, in this case actually would have been a government organization, yeah. uh, they have clearly skilled attorneys against you and to to bet that that you can argue against those legal semantics being an untrained uh, civilian they would rip you to it's a rough bet and you might win but it's a hard and and the and the stakes in ting's uh case are losing everything right right and you're going against a lawyer backed by the general fund of the state of california so while i hear you there's no limit to the money and that it might work yeah. The gamble is just too high. But I feel like it's not. it, it shouldn't be a gamble. I mean, it, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. It, it is right. a gamble. I mean, it, I don't know how big of a gamble it is, is Is if, well, let's say the breastfeeding thing. Yeah. You can't use my office, but we provided a space. Just because she demanded one thing doesn't mean that she gets everything she wants because she has milk coming out of her boobs. Like, that's, right. that's not a, so, to but me. There's a, but there's a, re- all I can say, I guess, is that there's a reason the legal profession exists, and yeah. it is to, in in some ways, it is to turn those very things on their head. Right. You know, yeah. uh, racehorse and and, <laughs> and you got to think about that. There are twelve people that all it takes is one potential idiot in that twelve people on the jury making that decision. Yeah, and he's like, "I like breasts. Should have let her use your office." Guilty. Right. <laughs> you know, like that's <laughs> the, the cameras are in there. the world you can't we use live. my office. I don't care. <laughs> I'm suing you. All right. Yeah, it's the world we live in. I don't know, man. That's uh, rough. Not easy to take. That's mm-hmm. fucked up. That's yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, once again, go to uh, GoFundMe.com and search for uh, Women's Beer Forum or yep. Google it. And if you can contribute, especially uh, if you're a small business owner, uh, please do so and see if we can get something done here. See if Ting can get something done here, I should say. I didn't, I didn't do anything. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, how about some Twitter game results? Let's Should go. we do that? Yeah. What was, remind me, what was our Twitter game? Well, our Twitter game was uh, there's a lot of craft beer IP theft these days. I'm suing you. <laughs> I think you should. Yeah. Um, I thought of this Twitter game last week. <laughs> no. uh, whose logo should we steal? Okay. 
And uh, did we get any good responses? We got well. We <laughs> I, I can't answer. Ask me in a different question. But did we get any way. responses? We got three responses. <laughs> <laughs> no one cared about the, the. I thought it was pretty good. But did we get the original responses? Apparently not. Um, no, they were all pretty much the same. Mm. I would. You know what? Honestly, if I was responding, I would have copy and pasted the last person's response right. as my response. Yeah. But um, so uh, Joshua says uh, we should steal from the Twenty First Amendment. It would be fun just to watch Justin and Sully Rochambeau to sell their beef. That's true. That would be fun. It's on Sully, he says. Uh, Z says, uh, we should steal the BrewDog artwork and attempt to get cheap marketing when you open the Brewing Network Hotel in the UK. Hmm. My response is... Should I take their artwork that they took for me for the BrewDog Network or just their other artwork? Oh, uh, burn. Shots fired. Um, well, we only steal from people who make good beer. So mm. it's... Uh, we have standards. And then uh, Scotty B says, the hop grenade. I hear they have a rough legal team. <laughs> we have a scrappy legal team. What we have. Anyway, um, that's it. That's what we have. I'm going to go with Sully. Sully. There we yeah, go. Yeah. Rochambeau. Yeah. Yeah. We get to have job, a good old-fashioned. Uh, to the winner of that. Uh, all right. Bevo uh, will probably send you a prize. Maybe. I don't know what she does. Hold your breath. Um, but we'll get you something. And thank you for playing. Definitely hold your breath. Uh, <laughs> Okay, let me just get through a couple of things here uh, for you. Uh, this show was also brought to you in part by the city of Concord, the perfect place to start or expand your craft beer business. Concord is centrally located in the Bay Area. It boasts strong craft beer-loving demographics. The city's historic downtown, right where the Hop Grenade is, is experiencing a boom with new businesses opening and new apartment developments in the pipeline. Uh, Concord's business and industrial parks are centrally located off major freeways and are the perfect large-scale, uh, perfect for large-scale brewery operations. So contact the city's economic development team. They're ready to help you. You can give Brian Nunley a call at 925-671-3018. Ready to help you right now. Uh, 925-671-3018. That's 925-671-3018. Also, by Beersmith. You can go to Beersmith.com. They've got uh, Beersmith 3 is out now, which has support for mead, wine, and cider recipes for the first time ever. A water profile tool built into the recipe builder so you can build and match water profiles within a beer recipe, mash pH estimation and adjustments, uh, all built into the recipe builder. New support for Hop Whirlpool additions, including time and temperature for each time. Um, boy, does it have it all. Uh, a secure connection to online recipe database containing over 700,000 recipes. You can even do boil adjustments for high-altitude brewing. That guy, he just thinks yeah, of everything. Yeah, Brad thinks of everything. very scientific. Go get your free 21-day trial at Beersmith.com. And while you're online shopping, you can go over to Adam and I, AdamandEve.com. Use coupon code BNARMY at checkout, and you'll get the uh, exclusive big O kit as a special gift. Um, you get that. It's got uh, a bunch of things like some uh, Climax gel and vibrator and all kinds of stuff. Plus, uh, you get 50% off almost any one item uh, and free shipping. Use coupon code BNARMY. That's B-N-A-R-M-Y over at adamandeve.com. Save yourself a little cash and uh, you know you don't have to be the creepy guy in the, uh, the in-person store. Which or I you could be. You could be. You know, you can do both. If that's what you're into. Yeah. If you're still into that. All right. Next week, Black Frog Brewery is on the program with us. I'm excited about that one. Uh, should be a good show. And I think that's it for me, JP. What do you think? Did I do my job? I think you did good. Okay. A scale of 1 to 10 uh, on my performance in today's show. Where did I land? And, and then, I'd, and then yeah, well, I would like you also to do Tasty and Beardy. 
Mm, and yourself. Good. Oh shit. Okay. Well, I think you. I think you did. I think you came in about a seven today. Okay. You're a little low. Oh. Uh, mm. I think you're a little low energy. Mm. Um. I think tasty. I think tasty. I'm going to give him a six today. He was very quiet. You're generous. He was, he I was, was very quiet. He was here, right? I think he's You're low generous. You're <laughs> very, very, very. Hey, welcome, <laughs> tasty. <laughs> welcome to the show. Yeah. Um. I think Warren. I'm going to put Warren also at a six. Really? Well, maybe thought... a six point two because he didn't really contribute a whole lot today. Either okay, what? that's the only one I'm gonna. I, I'm gonna considering grit. you were at a seven. I understood. I okay. felt he really contributed to the interview today with with Plan B Farm Brewery. I would put him. What did you put him at a six? Six. I think he was at least a six point one. <laughs> that's lower what? than what he actually put me at. I did put him at six. He said six point two. Yeah, that's right. Oh. <laughs> no, I I'm, I'm keeping mine at six point one. <laughs> I think you're a 6.9 now, which is almost the sex number, so that's cool. I like I'm going to lower myself to a 5. That makes, the, the, the rest make more sense. I feel like we've evened it out. <laughs> makes yeah. more sense then. All right. Yeah, yeah. And, and yourself, JP. This year. So I thought I was going to do Bev also. Uh, Should okay. I just do Bev? Sure. Uh, Bev was a 4 today. Okay. Mm. What? Which show is like a 10 for Bev? I'm trying to remember. Um, yep. Any show she drinks a lot at, which is okay. hasn't happened mm. in a long time. I think her only 10 was a very stripper Christmas. The Christmas, yeah. <laughs> the Christmas show, yeah. Right. Um, myself, I was easily an eight. Right. Easily, it's oh, not yeah. a nine. Bullshit. On the curve, right. no. Fuck it. Right, because you paid eight. attention to how much I contributed during the interview. I was an eighty nine. Somebody paid attention. Right. Let's just mix the two numbers. Eight right. plus nine is eighty nine. Okay. All right. Out of ten. Yeah. Yeah. You did it. Wait. Which <laughs> note you're not? Well, for the me, sex number. <clears throat> For me, that's right, which I am. Yeah. For me, the exciting part about this is that I just outsourced all of your employee reviews for 2018. <laughs> Hell yeah. So, oh, oh, okay. Looks Shit. like nobody's right. getting a raise, and no one was a 10. I'm an 89 oh. out of 10. Yeah. I overachieved. You, you know what? You it. missed it by, by a tenth oh, yeah, of a yeah. percent. It's a high bar. Uh, right. If we're talking sure how close you get to 10. without me. <laughs> So half well, of the show wouldn't have happened without you. Whatever. <laughs> Good job, everybody. Good Thank job. You. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, we will see you next week. Thanks for listening. Here's JP's soothing voice to take you home. <laughs> Thank you to our show sponsor, More Beer. <laughs> you can get absolutely everything you need to make great beer at home by going to morebeer.com. Thanks to Evan from Plan B Farm Brewery for sending in two great sour beers. Learn more about them at planbfarmbrewery.com. Also, thank you to Ting from Eagle Rock Brewing Company to give us the rundown on their recent legal fight. Consider helping them protect other breweries and search Women's Beer Form on gofundme.com. Join JP, Beverly, Terrence, and Taryn for a great show that's all about Disneyland. Go to earsuppodcast.com for whatever that is. Get on Twitter for some good beer inside at Homebrew Info. Follow Nate Smith at Nathan Homebrew. Mike McDowell at Tasty McDee. Warren is stuck over at another beardy. JP knows Twitter is dead, and so he's on Instagram at Major Jip, and you can find Bevo there as well at Beverly Moore. I th- said it was an 89. I'm more like a 42 right now. Be sure to find the Brew Network on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just in the rays, JP.